0: hello and welcome to humans magic the show that gets into deep and personal conversations with your favorite magic the gathering personalities i'm your host James Sue. If you are new to the show, welcome. This is a show full of conversations. We use Magic the Gathering as a starting point, but nine times out of 10, we don't just talk about magic strategy. We talk a lot about magic mindset, but most recently, I've been talking to guests more about how they feel, what's been going on in these extraordinary times. So if you're new to the program, welcome. This is episode 73 with Ellie of the Veil. I just have to say, I'm really happy to have the chance to share this conversation with you. There's a couple things about Ellie that in this interview that I want to set up. First of all, she was just so full of energy. From the moment that we started our Skype call, it was just nonstop fun. It turns out that we actually recorded a whole bunch of stuff that didn't make it into the final recording because it got a little bit off topic. We were talking about anime, China, which is where I live these days, and Star Trek. Oh, boy. So Ellie, like a lot of Magic players, as I'm finding out, is a huge fan of Star Trek. So we spent a lot of time talking about it, so much so that I think at some point in the future, I have to make a Humans of Star Trek podcasts. There's just so much intersection between Star Trek and magic in terms of fandom. But that aside, I wanted to talk to Ellie and I wanted to learn. I'm somebody that did not grow up in the United States. I grew up in Canada and I split my time between Canada, China, and Taiwan. And quite honestly, with the recent events that have been going on in the United States, a lot of serious stuff. You know, there's a lot of talk out there about how we can all do better, how we can work to address some of the inequalities in society. And rather than pretend that I knew all the answers, I knew almost none of the answers. I really felt like it was important to converse and have a way to learn from other people who had been in this space for a longer time and are also a lot savvier in social media than I am. And so we touch on all of these things with Ellie. Ellie also taught me a lot about what black Twitter is. It's she gave a very good layperson's explanation of the concept, which I truly appreciated. I'm happy to share it here as well because you know, if you're like me, you don't really understand. Like we read things on social. We read things on the internet, but it's important to set the right context behind it. And what was also extraordinary about this interview with Ellie is that the energy level, like I mentioned the energy, she just kept it on the whole time. And that's rather exceptional because I find that oftentimes talking to somebody that applies to myself as well. Our energy just sort of wears down after the first hour or the second hour, but this was like a marathon, man. And it was, In a really good way, because we explored a lot of topics, we were both, I felt we were both very candid with each other, and that allowed for the conversation to get to a good place in my mind. Of course, it's always, uh, you know, it can always be challenging to look oneself in the mirror and say whether, you know, this was a good interview or not, but I felt like it was, and Perhaps most importantly, it felt less like an interview, structured Q&A than it did a conversation, which is really what I wanted the Humans of Magic ideal to be from the get-go. I feel like now I'm a little bit more comfortable in my role. I'm a little bit more experienced in talking to folks. And maybe it's also just timing and luck. It could be all of the above, but... I'm really feeling like the last couple of episodes have been really good for me in terms of really exploring that ideal. Before getting into it, I want to thank my sponsors, channelfireball.com and Cardboard Live. I also want to shout out my man Kupla for supplying all of the wonderful music that you hear on this podcast. Kupla is a Finnish musician who happens to also be a magic player. And his music is just the best. So give him a follow on Kupla Sound. That's K-U-P-L-A-S-O-U-N-D. You can also find Kupla's music everywhere that you can find music, including Spotify and SoundCloud. Last but not least, if you want to get more information about the Humans of Magic project or to support the project by buying a copy of the Humans of Magic book, please head on down to humansofmagic.com. That's humansofmagic.com. Thank you. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Ellie of the Vale. Hello, everybody. Today on Humans and Magic, I am here with Elizabeth Rice, probably better known as Ellie of the Veil. Ellie, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's a nice night.
0: You're somebody that I've wanted to to invite to the show for a while. I'm glad we finally made it happen.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, definitely thank you for having me. I'm a big fan.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, I listen to like my friends episodes. I will say those are like my favorite. I love you, Emma Handy. (laughs) she heard me from the distance
0: (laughs) yes emma's great we're doing this online over skype so whereabouts are you right now
1: uh i'm in the great great state of south carolina usa
0: non-ironically right truly great
1: no it's ironic (laughs) um yeah we're 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 great in some ways you know we invented hush puppies uh i think uh and by we i mean slaves invented hush puppies but that's
0: oh really that was that yeah was it really wow yeah can you just tell? can you just briefly talk about that
1: yeah so what a hush puppy is is like um when so slaves used to cook in, they used to obviously live, they didn't live in, that, in the main house, right? So they had their shacks or huts or whatever. And they also cooked separately too, like they didn't cook in the house. And so like basically traveling from like the where, where they cooked in, a, in walking to the house, they would always like make these little fried bits of bread to give to the dogs, So the dogs would not bark at them. And they would call them hush puppies. Like you just, that's cause you, you hush the dogs up. Cause they want the food and so you hush the puppies up that yeah makes sense. so yeah so that's a thing you know makes us great we have excellent sweet tea i will say lots of negatives but that's not one of them we have excellent sweet tea you know if you just want diabetes directly to your veins you can get it um yeah and then
0: and what part of south carolina are you are you in right now
1: so I'm in the upstate of South Carolina, so towards the mountains near closer to the part that's touching Tennessee. So I'm in a town next to Clemson University, so if anybody is listening, cares anything about college football, we have like one of the best, you know, football programs now. Uh, but I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, so I'm originally from the coast. It's so a mm-hmm. They're kind of different. They're they're definitely different. I know I came up here for university, so I came up here for because uh, I used to go to Clemson University, and uh, but yeah, I'm from the coast, and it's a little bit it's a little bit different, different places. So how
0: how fanatic were the students and you about the Clemson? Was it the Tigers?
1: Yes. Okay, that's our mascot. Yeah. Um,
0: Is it just like all consuming? campus life? or (laughs) How how does that work exactly? I never really attended an American college. So
1: yeah, at least definitely Clemson is like a football university. Like it's the program, the school itself is really revolves around the football program a lot to the point where like uh, here, like they weren't taking any COVID stuff seriously. But just this past week, it was like found out that football players have contracted it. And so they just like in like 24 hours released like um, new guidelines. So like it's a 60 day mandatory mask in public spaces, you have to wear a mask and it took nothing. It took Well, it didn't take nothing. It took football players being sick. And the reason why that is isn't just because they like we care about the town. No, it's because like financially, if. You know football players get sick this affects their their money in the right. fall it, it you know it affects the whole program and there's a like clemson football generates a ton of money a ton right. of it a ton of it so they don't really want to risk anything kind of affecting that
0: yeah i so, would imagine yeah. anytime there's those there are those business interests it really gets uh, folks to in the <laughs> I guess ultimately <laughs> exactly. the most responsible way, but but it's sort of like yeah, there's a cynical way to look pockets. at
1: it Yeah once it affects the pockets, that's when that's that's actually something that like I've I, I realized not recently, but like you know when I got into my 20s I realized that um, somebody said this thing and they just said, if you want to understand a problem in the United States, you need to first understand who makes money from the problem who loses money from the problem like you need to understand the money aspect of that problem which like really puts a lot of stuff into perspective but yeah in general like clemson the town it's really all circulates around the football and i'm not really a football fan um so when i was going to college it was always kind of weird because everybody would be like game day and like everything would circulate around this sport that I thought was kind of silly. Um, so yeah. it's, and it's not even that it's silly. It just takes too long. It takes like three hours, four hours and it's just super unnecessary. Um, but yeah, tailgating that's it's football's a huge, it's like such a, it's a, it's a core aspect of like the area that I live in. Uh, so Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what did you study? What did you study when you went to school there?
1: So I went. Um, so I studied Spanish and international trade, which is just a fancy way of saying um, business and NAFTA. <laughs> yeah, a lot of okay. e- I did like a, basically like tons of economics. That was like the what I ended up just focusing on because that was what I found to be interesting. Um, except for the math part. I don't really like doing the math of economics, but I like to think about like how, you know, economic systems work and stuff. So that's basically what I centered my degree on. I wanted to go to grad school, but unfortunately just kind of, you know, by the time I graduated, it was just, um, I needed it. I just couldn't really afford to go to grad school. And so I was just like, all right, I've taken on a lot of debt, like student loans and stuff. Like, let me just kind of like work, you know, a decent job. And my job is decent. Like I run an AC business and um, it's it's fine. Like I, I support myself. I pay my bills. It's it's security, it's job security, which is right. like the thing that kind of terrifies people my age these days It's like, are they gonna have a job or not? <laughs> Um so I just got that in, in the hopes that when I could finally like get out from under that debt that I could, you know, go back to school, like get get into grad school and stuff.
0: So it is have, in the cards yeah. sometime in the future, perhaps? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean I love learning. Um, I love learning about things, so it's hard for me to imagine not going back to school and expanding on something. Though in the past like few years, I've kind of, I've come to sort of an understanding that I don't necessarily need a degree behind me to learn. You know, the internet is free. I mean, it's not free, but like the internet is available. Like I can just pick things that I find interesting and I can just read about them and if that's what I really want to do. And so that's kind of what I've been letting myself do now is just like find something interesting that I I like and just like read about it and just like ex- explore that because um, that's what I find to be like enjoyable. And life is, I know people say life is short, but I think life is actually pretty long and mostly, <laughs> mostly painful and kind of miserable. And so that being said, spending any moment of it more miserable than, <laughs> than is already guaranteed seems kind of a waste. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I try and treat it anyway.
0: It's interesting you said this stuff about learning because, you know, recently because of the pandemic, I've, you know, I've been working on my day job as well, but trying to figure out things to broaden my horizons. And (laughs) I've started actually doing some of the online courses like Coursera and uh, basically like structured learning because Mm -hmm. I have not been in school since, you know, this is really going to date me like 2005 and so nice. I've just been working all this time and, uh, you know, reading a lot, but it's not, there's a certain thing to like having this structure learning that really yeah. helps me learn. Because like, I, I actually am fairly, I like to think I'm fairly disciplined. Like I can read a book a week or two weeks, every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes without the, the, the structure of the course around it, it can be hard to, motivate myself it's like i need goals i need to say like okay at the end of this thing i will get some kind of certificate even though that certificate is completely arbitrary and right com- like it's just it's just a digital sheet of paper right. that is mm-hmm. like a pdf that that's that's like the psychology of it really motivates mm-hmm. me so i've yeah. actually thought about like you know continuing to do going back to school but i understand the costs are very prohibitive but it, like if it was yeah. actually free i i would i would like to to mm-hmm. do that you know
1: yeah I'm, I'm i'm the same way it really is so unfortunate that like <sighs> that things are the way they are here because uh, school is just like so expensive it's like unreasonable like i thought about like i wanted to be like i, I was seriously considering also like being a lawyer um and like going into because i'm particularly interested in like um like humanitarian law and like international law and things like that. But it's, it's, it's just, it's too expensive. It's not feasible. It is not a reasonable thing to do. So it's just, it just looks like out of the cards. So I've been like kind of bummed about that, but yeah, but if like it was free, that would be, oh my goodness. That would be like so amazing. I could just like learn about whatever I want. As it is, I've also picked up like those kind of courses. I actually, there's two things, two websites I found. There's something called Udemy, which just, you can buy courses from it, individual courses. And then there's Skillshare, which you pay, I think I, it's like $100 and you have access to all the courses, $100 per year and you have access to all the courses. So I bought two things off of Skillshare. I bought an um, Adobe Premiere Pro, like Premiere Pro, like editing class because I want to learn how to edit videos. Like, professionally, not just kind of, like, off something basic. Like, I, I'm really interested in that. Um, so I picked up that, and so I started learning that. And then um, off Skillshare, though, like, I just, like, pick whatever I feel like picking. Like, I just, like, if I want to, today, I want to learn basic Italian cooking skills on it. And then I just, like, and I really enjoy that kind of thing where it's, like, videos. You're just, like walking you through it or something and like at the end I feel like I've accomplished something uh yeah so I, I definitely get what you're saying
0: you have quite an affinity for learning and picking up languages right because you you had mentioned yeah. you studied Spanish and in, in college mm-hmm. and before we started recording we were talking about you wanting to to learn some new languages and you have a little bit of conversational Japanese so where, where do you think that love of languages comes from is it just something that is like natural talent or, or affinity for that?
1: I think it was just, um, so it's not, so for me, it's just like, it's usually a sound thing. And um, so like, there's certain languages that I like the way they sound and there's some that I really don't, I like aggressively don't, um, like, I, I don't know if you have any French people. I'm really sorry. I don't like the way French sounds. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I not <laughs> that's don't, okay,
0: no, I, you're not offending me, yeah, <laughs>
1: so it's not like it's, an, not that it's an ugly language, but it's like, I don't really like the way that sounds, so I'm not really interested in, in right. figuring that out, um, and it's also like, like German is like the same, it's like, I'm not quite,
0: I was just gonna shit. say German, like it's very, German uh, is I don't like, know, it's like guttural, or there's, there's a yeah. certain sound to it.
1: It kind of reminds me of like two drunk people getting in a bar fight and they both have a cold and like that's kind of what i imagine sounds really bad i guess i'm really sorry if you have any german listeners um i have i mean that was when i first was exposed to it i have learned though like the longer you do listen to things so i watch a lot of like foreign tv shows and stuff like that the longer i listen to something and i get used to it the more as long as it's not too difficult like the 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 more I, I tend to like it because you start to pick oh, sorry you start to pick things out and things like that so um, but I think for me um, I grew up like my father has uh, I'm Puerto Rican so my my father's Puerto Rican um, I grew up with my mom though so I didn't learn Spanish until I was older mm-hmm. and so like that was kind of a language that um, I sh- I sort of shunned it. Uh, When I was younger because I just had it associated with like bad things like negative feelings, you know Surrounding my own family and like my own identity Um, So it was like a thing that I learned But eventually I just learned it because I was like, all right, I I have these sort of these like These feelings within me that I really want to resolve and like learning Spanish will like help me break that down and it's also useful because my grandma slips in and out of English all the time So it's just (laughs) required, so I know what's going on. So
0: you said that your dad is Puerto Rican. Uh, What about your mom's (laughs) side of the family?
1: So my mom is good old white American and uh, Native American. So her father, uh, my late grandfather, was Native American. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, her mom's like American white. So, I don't know, German, Irish, I don't know, white. I don't know. Um, something like that. Uh, it gets, it gets, I guess it, it gets lost eventually. Um, but yeah, so she's, so my mom's a native American and, uh, white, and my dad is Irish and Puerto Rican.
0: What was it like growing up? You said Charleston, right? What was it like growing up, you know, under that household?
1: Yeah. So my parents split up when I was four, I think four, four ish. Um, I so I lived most of my uh, life with my mom, and it was really hard. I would say it was really hard for me growing up, um, because, well, I'm brown, so there weren't there wasn't like a mm, there wasn't like a Hispanic community that I grew up in that I had strong ties to. Um, I wasn't. My, now my sisters are not this way. this is the other thing. like both my parents are white passing. so they both mm-hmm. look white and my older sister looks white and my younger sisters all look white. I just happen to look like me. I happen to look like this, which isn't right. like abnormal in like Puerto Rican families in general because being Puerto Rican means that you are naturally just mixed with Spanish and and white and um, indigenous, American and African. That's just like what being Puerto Rican means. So like you're, you are mixed, (laughs) you are mixed. Um, so it was really hard for me growing up because I lived in a predominantly white and black town. And so I couldn't, I didn't fit into either of those groups. I was not white clearly. Um, and I wasn't black and that was even though, but people just would automatically assume that I'm mixed. So it meant that I got a lot of like the same kind of um, discrimination and the name calling and like the, wow, you talk really nice for, (laughs) for, you know, you, Um, you know, I got those kinds of comments and that kind of treatment when I was younger. Um, And that was really hard. It kind of made me like, I don't know pretty mad. It still kind of makes me mad sometimes. But, you know, it was just, that was just how I grew up. And, but the hardest part of it was that I kind of just didn't fit in anywhere. And I didn't feel like I was part of any community. And I think people really like undervalue how important having like connections to a community and your, you know, your history and your, your, your ethnic traditions. Like, all of that people kind of like especially like in like I don't know maybe I'm just thinking about like white people but kind of like don't really understand what this means um, and I've kind of explored it a lot but it's there's this thing that happens to you when you get sort of divorced from your history um, you know I remember when I was growing up somebody asked me as if I'm some authority on anything you know i'm 14 years old what do i know um somebody asked me like oh well why can black people have black pride but i'm white and i can't have white pride and Mm -hmm. which is like a rough (laughs) that's a complicated question was it a
0: 14 year old that asked you the question
1: no, these were grown people in their in their forties. Um,
0: oh, jeez. Okay, oh well, no, they're adults. I, like, I thought <laughs> I was, I was just... gonna say, you know, maybe they're fourteen as well, so they're just kids asking no, each sure other.
1: No. no, 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 they're not. Okay. Um, so you're
0: supposed to speak for all. I'm
1: supposed to. Groups. I'm supposed to speak one. I'm supposed to speak for a minority group I don't belong in. Like that's not my technical minority group. Um, mm. And who, like, so that's just awkward. But then there was also like, there's like a. I think that's not really understood about, I feel like that Americans don't even understand about America, which is this process of forced assimilation, which is, and it's like a tenet of our culture. So like, you know, you take, you know, African humans, you bring them over as slaves, you take away their name, you take away their, you know, you take away their music. They're, you take away their names, okay? Their names. Take away their names, their history, their language. You take all that away from them, and you just turn them into a product, a tool that you use, right? And then, so they have to make their own new thing, and that's what they did. They came up, and you know, they get disc- discriminated for that. And then you have there's other examples that aren't just the U.S., but in the U.S. you also had what happened to in Native Americans, Indigenous people, which in the late 20th century, their children were taken from them and forced into these schools. And the idea behind these schools was kill the Indian, save the man, which is this brutal, horrible thing. This like ethnic cleansing that happens. And so like, I learned about all these things and it made me kind of understand how I felt out of place, which is like, I don't really have a strong identity. Am I really Spanish? I don't speak, am I really Hispanic? I don't speak Spanish. I'm not black. I mean, my, maybe my great grandmother was, but like, I guess I'm not, I, I'm not native American because I, you know, I don't have a tribe. I kind of had this self image where I was just like this assimilated product. Like I'm like your ideal. I'm like the ideal product of the U S like I'm American. I'm assimilated. I'm a, empty thing um which sounds kind of horrible and it is it is horrible um but that yeah that was just like something that i had to that was hard for me growing up because that was made pretty clear to me very early on in my life was that i didn't have any ties to anything because that was just taken away not and then i couldn't fit anywhere that I was. And it wasn't until I'm in my teens and like, I had my dad back in my life and I had, you know, more exposure to like my dad's family, that I started to even feel comfortable saying that I was like Puerto Rican. Cause I used to just straight up say that I was brown. Mm. That's it. I was like, people were like, oh, you must be mixed. I'm like, I'm just brown. I don't, Yeah." yeah. So it was hard. Growing up was like really tough. And my sisters had very different experiences than I did, like my older sister, and I talk about it sometimes, but the way people treated her and the way people treated me were vastly different.
0: Just because of the physical appearance.
1: Yeah, because we physically don't look like, we wouldn't like, don't really, we don't really look like sisters, but we have the same mom and the same dad, but she's white. She has like, she has like straight brown hair and green eyes and freckles, and if she stays out in the sun too long, she turns into a crab, which I think is really funny, but... (laughs) I think I got the advantage and it's not like I hate how I look now, but it does, you know, when you grow up in that kind of environment, I mean, it took me like 20 years until I felt like wearing my hair curly like it is. I used to always straighten it and put it in a bun or something so people couldn't like put their hands in it because that was a thing that people would do. I don't, if you're listening and you think it's okay to just like touch people's hair, it's not, don't do that. Don't do that, please. I, it's I don't weird.
0: think I've even ever hugged anybody without their consent, but so,
1: so yeah. yeah, I would just walk down the hallways in in my in school and that's something I would remember people would pull at my curls and people would just like oh, put man. sh in my hair. It's gross. And, Like you imagine yeah. how nasty kids are and then you're just like, mm. your hands are in my hair. I think what
0: I'm what I'm sort of I mean, obviously I can't fully put myself in your in your shoes, but how i can relate to what you said is that i think as kids we all have discomfort with ourselves in some way i remember having my own issues i guess uh even like being one of the taller kids i remember i i started Mm -hmm. slouching at a young age because it took me many years to to fix i wanted to fit in and i think it sounds like you experienced like a very I don't know what the right word is like but a really extreme version of that where it's like like we all feel like we don't fit in in some way but it was really it was really tough for you that's all i wanted to say
1: yeah yeah i mean it was i it's sort of um yeah yeah it sucked i don't don't really know how to make it sound (laughs) not not sucky i mean it was really hard right because it's like when you are just you're made to feel different all the time and not just different but like less or like right. ugly you're just like made to feel these sort of things you're already as a like you said as an as a kid you're just already struggling with yourself there's things you don't like but then when you're also getting inundated with like outside you know stuff it's just uh, i mean it's just it's yeah it's just awful i mean there were some things that i eventually like like i'm just like toughened up and i was like all right, well, okay, your daddy won't let you date a brown girl, but that's not really my problem. There was just like some stuff where it's like, okay, well, I can't control how people see me, but I can control how I see me. I can control how I feel about me and how I want to look, and I don't have to hide behind anything, you know, because it's like I know how I look. I'm not hideous. <laughs> I'm just, like De- it's, Definitely it's, not. Right. So it's like, I don't have to, (laughs) thank you, but I don't have to like make myself feel worse. I don't have to do that. You know, like I, I can just be happy. Like I'm happy where I am now in terms of like my body image and and stuff like that. Because like, no, I like my, I like being Brown. I like that I can go out into the sun and I don't risk peril. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I like having pretty curly hair and like, okay, like, yeah, it's terrifying in the morning, but you learn not to look into the mirror until you take a shower. It's really, you can mitigate the scary parts of having like crazy hair.
0: Was there like a particular turning point for you in your childhood where you sort of like realized you know, I'm gonna fully embrace myself or was it like conversations with somebody or was it just sort of just naturally growing up?
1: I mean, I think it was great. I mean, this is something that didn't happen until I was in college and I was just, sick of it. I was just sick of it. When I got to Clemson where you're like inundated with like football like white southern culture and sorority girls and and not that you know these things are inherently bad but mm-hmm. when you just get hit with this image of either I have to this is what I have to fit in and I just kind of got to a point where I decided I don't want to look like this. This isn't this isn't a standard that is, I'm interested in, in in fitting. And it just took 20 years and then finally I just, I think it started with my hair more than anything because it started with my hair where I was just like, this is stupid that I spend hours and hours straightening my hair, you know, just so it looks presentable. Like this is silly that I am doing any of this. And I, and I damaged my hair So it's pretty, my hair's pretty long now. I mean, I have shrinkage, obviously, because it's in curls, but it's pretty long. Um, But I had damaged it so bad that I just, I just finally was like, this is, I'm taking up so much time for no reason doing silly things to myself that I don't like, because I don't like my hair straight. I think I look ugly, (laughs) but I just don't think it looks good. Um, I just threw away my straightener and I went to the hairdresser and I just said, cut my hair off. Like it's really damaged. It's been straightened. You can't really do that to your hair for a long time and it be healthy. Um, and I just sort of, I let them cut it off. It was like to my ears. I looked like a little poodle. Um, but I just sort of, yeah, hit that point where I was like, okay, this is enough. This is ridiculous. I could be watching TV instead of trying to fit into this weird, box I could there's anything else I could do so I just cut it off and then I decided that I would take care of me how I should how I should like I should treat my hair like it's curly I should treat my skin like you know it like I love it like I should treat me like I love it even though you know sometimes I don't or there you know their voice is telling me that I shouldn't so I just kind of I got I mean like sometimes I still struggle but I haven't straightened my hair and years I don't know I think I straightened it to see how long it was last year and then I immediately went (laughs) I didn't even leave my house I just straightened it to see how long it was and I was like oh that's very long and then I like and then I like took a shower so So it
0: it felt like man I don't want to I don't want to like assume for you but it it felt like almost hearing about it, it sounds like it's almost cathartic just I'm fed up with Straighten my hair. I'm going to just be myself more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of women of color, like, you know, there's particularly black women, there's, you know, this whole thing about hair and then they, especially like just in general, I don't know, but I say a lot like from the U S not because like, just because sure, but that, that's just your perspective. My perspective I, I get right? it. Yeah. Not, I, I don't know how other things work in other places, but like here, you're really pressured to like look professional, but what professional means is like, it means straightening your hair. It makes like wearing wigs or whatever. So you don't have like your natural texture and stuff like that. That scene is like unkempt a lot of, still a lot of, even today. And it's super frustrating. So like there is like a, you know, there's just this, this connection, I guess, between like me and my hair. Cause like my hair kind of represents not just like, I'm a woman. Like, it's not that it's just sort of represents like my feelings about myself and like who I am and my own identity. And like, it sounds sort of silly, but it's, it's not like if not that I would cry if I cut my hair off. I don't care about that. But it's just like, look, my hair is healthy. Look, I'm wearing it down. Look, I'm not afraid to wear it down because I'm not afraid about people touching me because I know how to punch somebody in the throat. Like I (laughs) can, I'm not afraid (laughs) anymore. I'm not afraid to be myself anymore. So there was, but it took me like, you know, getting into college, like, like going to college and like getting away, getting out of my town, you know, playing rugby, just doing things to like feel more like empowered to, 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 to like take that, to like take that step.
0: How did you, uh, get into rugby is it just just when you were in Clemson or did you do something yeah. up to that leading up to it
1: No so um I've see, I I think I've seen I, when I went to Clemson I'd seen maybe some rugby I knew loosely what it was um, but I had never played it like in high school or anything like that it's not super or it wasn't very popular in the Southeast, or at least it it wasn't very popular in South Carolina, I should say. In South Carolina and Tennessee, it's not super, these are kind of like rough states to be in. Um, But I just, at Clemson when you go, I'm sure it's similar to other colleges, they, all the universities, clubs and um, groups sort of like have a day where you go and you like, you walk around, you're a freshman, you're all, bright eyed and bushy tailed and you're like, Oh, what can I do? And, um, this woman caught my eye and she was just super animated. She was like, she was tall and she looked strong. And she had like this bright, bright, like carrot colored red hair. And, um, you know, she was just super animated. And I just ended up striking up a conversation with her and, um, uh, yeah, and she's just like, Yeah, you should come. And I was like, Well, I've never played rugby, I've only ran you know track and field and cross country. She's like, that's fine, you'll be okay, no big deal. And so I just went to practice. Like I went to a practice and I just loved it. I loved it. I thought it was gonna be like football, but then I was like, no, this is way better. This is way, way, way better. Um it's super hard, but it's it's not just hard like physically. Um, it's difficult, it's a difficult mental game that you're having to do, you can't be, I mean, you can't be dumb and play rugby, to be honest, like, it requires a lot of thinking, like, on the fly thinking, and, like, stuff like that, so there's a lot of stuff that um, attracted me to that game, and I just ended up staying until I got too hurt to stay in it, Um, I will say, I guess I'm kind of, like, a masochist a little bit, because I like to, I get attracted to things that I'm not, like, really good at, uh-huh. like super skilled at. So like if there's, if I come across something, I was like, oh, this is like, I can, there's room to grow or there's room to learn, you know, to get better at. I, I like that thing. Things that are like really easy, I don't really find like very interesting or whatever.
0: Would you describe yourself as being competitive?
1: Hmm. Um, so let's imagine there's a spectrum on one end you're not competitive and one on one end you're just, you're really 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 competitive i'm on i'm on towards the competitive side of the spectrum but right. i'm very um i've learned to be pretty sensitive to myself and my like emotional needs and so i tend to be very much willing to step back from something once it's gotten to where I feel like it's like a toxic point point. Mm. and so like sometimes I think being really competitive can be if you are equipped to handle that in a healthy way that's great healthy competition is really good um yep. I think like I am American after all like that <laughs> that is something <laughs> I but like um yeah I think you can take it too far and like yep. sometimes right. I've gotten into this point where I I've feel like I'm taking it too far. Or it's not fun anymore. You know, I, I still want to enjoy what I'm doing. So right. I will be competitive to a point. Like you,
0: you know how to bring yourself back yeah. out of the abyss. Cause I, cause I, yeah. if, you, if you're on the hyper extreme competitive spectrum, you know, it's going to just consume your life, right? Like to an unhealthy degree, yeah. whatever it is, that thing is.
1: Yeah. I don't do, I don't, I just don't let that, I don't let that happen. I don't really care what it is. I don't care if it's magic. I don't care if it's rugby. I don't care what it is, but like, like I said, life is long. There's going to be a lot of pain in it just by its nature. There's no reason for me to put myself in more pain than I need to be in. So, right um, you know, and it just sort of—I I don't know. I think I can—I can be really competitive. Like I do care. Like I care about winning. Like I'm not getting on. A, I'm especially with. I'm more competitive with rugby than I am with magic. Mm -hmm. Um, Much more, much, much more. Um, Because like with rugby, (laughs) if you're not there to win, then you're there to get your, um, I don't know if I can swear, you're there to, you're there to get. Yeah,
0: you can say whatever you want, get your and ass you, kicked.
1: Like or, yeah, you know. like if you're not if you're playing rugby and you're not there to win then you're there to get your ass kicked. and getting your ass kicked is not fun. It is unpleasant. I do not like it. I have 10 out of 10 do not recommend. okay. <laughs> so you know with magic, you know you can lose and then like whatever you're you're fine. like you, ain't nobody yeah. a 200 pound person didn't just smash you in the ribs and knock the air out of your body. You know, like your arm's not broken, like you're fine. Yeah. You can go and hang out with your friends and it's like, it's whatever. But in, um, you know, and even the games, you know, they last, well, I guess, no, okay. Even the games like magic, it's like 50, yeah. roughly like 30 to 50 minutes. Like that's the game, you know, maybe you're like me and you're an your animator. So you're done in 15, it's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But like in rugby, I'm I'm you have to be on for ninety minutes. Right. Or 80, 80 minutes. You have a ten minute break, I know whatever. But okay, so like eighty minutes, you have to be on, physically on, like mentally on. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to be much more competitive when I'm playing rugby.
0: Um well there's just something very like visceral about it being physical right because right. like it, it with magic or mental competition it's like it's a feeling that passes and mm-hmm. it passes but you know i feel like with rugby or you know i used to play a lot more basketball but even even mm-hmm. in sports like that like you you feel things and you know you'll get a bruise or you'll sprain your ankle you're yeah. you'll dislocate your shoulder i did that for some weird reason Oh yeah, no, like too, yeah. like you you remember those things and and <laughs> actually they kind of become interesting stories later on but at the time mm-hmm. it like it's like you know i don't i hope that doesn't happen but uh like yeah. there's something visceral about maybe this is a hot take but i feel like everyone should do sports or physical stuff because yeah. it really like makes you realize how good we have it if we're just like at home playing arena and you yeah. lost a game or something like really it's not that bad
1: i'm telling you like it's funny because like you know I, I don't know i have very i i just have very different relationships with rugby and with um magic i actually have like i have less fun overall playing magic um you know because there's like you're so fo- focused like mentally up here and like, you know, I want my body to be able to do things. Like I have ADHD. Like I want, I want my body to be able to do things. I want to be engaged yeah. physically as well. And then also like, you know, it with rugby, it's such a fast paced sport. Um, you do not have time to dwell on some mistake that you just made. Yeah. You don't have time. You don't have time because you're either about to get trucked, Or, like, you're about to get you're not thinking, like,
0: oh, I didn't do, I didn't play so well that last turn or something. You have
1: to immediately correct, you have to course correct, you know, you don't don't have time to wallow. But, like, magic kind of gives me time to like wallow sometimes to like stew. And I think the culture around magic, at least when I started playing and stuff, um, there was like lots of bad beat stories, you know, so I just thought that was kind of the thing, and I really didn't like it, and I still don't like it. But yeah, in rugby you just don't have—you don't have the time because you're you're up. The ball's moving. You gotta move too. Like you just don't have that kind of—you don't have that kind of time. And I and I love that about rugby. I love that I don't have to think if I like cut through that pass like a little awkwardly. Like I don't have to. Okay, like if if I didn't run the right line, like all right, whatever, we're gonna get up and we're gonna do it again. And you don't have a choice because otherwise you're gonna get hurt. Not that rugby, and I I don't want to misrepresent rugby as it's some kind of unsafe sport. It is an extremely physical sport. You don't have helmets, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. That's a benefit to the sport. Um, But people are like, oh, you don't have helmets. You can get hurt. Yeah, but like, I'm not going to have a brain injury when I'm, you know, 35. Um, Playing football, like, no. Um, But yeah, so there are dangerous things. But, like, you're – what I also like about the sport is, like, you're taught to really engage with it safely, which is also something I think magic lacks because you're not really taught how to engage safely and responsibly with magic. It's just, like, you know, you open your packs, your bills rejects, it's hyper-competitive. Like, there's all this, like, constant, like – Thing
0: right, it's just like it. throwing somebody on an island and and with like a hundred bucks, it's just like do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's it's nuts with magic, but yeah, with with rugby, you're taught like you're and it's drilled into you like proper form, mm-hmm. like safe, like you know, it's it's obviously people kind of can play dirty or whatever, but that's really frowned upon. Like mm-hmm. at least it you know was when I was playing. Not to say like oh yeah we're all a bunch of sissies like no we're not we're very aggressive and we play the sport but like the sport is best played when everybody plays like yep. skillfully so I think yeah so I just I, I do I do like I do like rugby more than I like magic I'll be honest I just don't get the so play.
0: did you did you say that uh, your rugby tenure had to be cut short because of injury it, like what happened what happened um
1: there? so I tore my ACL, MCL, PCL, and my meniscus.
0: Oh, man.
1: Not all at the same time, but pretty much all at the same time. Um, oh,
0: okay, that was going to be my next question.
1: Yeah, th- some of them were torn at the same time. So, like, my ACL was, um, and my, I think my PCL were damaged at the same time. And then, but really what kind of put it in was like my um meniscus was torn and then I developed what's called bursitis which I don't know if you know what that is but it just means like you have these like things of fluid in your knees and so um bursitis is when they just swell up and it becomes extremely painful and difficult to move
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like it you know you can correct it with surgery and like physical therapy but it takes a long time so I just got into it was like a game act. it was like a it was a freak accident to be honest this girl who was like, one and much bigger than me, she just happened to fall backwards onto my, like, there was um, a it's rock. Just her which,
0: full weight on your leg?
1: Yeah. It's backwards. just, like, I fell really awkwardly somehow, and I just tore it. And it was just, I mean, it was really bad. I tried to, once I, like, healed and got better, I tried to get back into it, but it was still, like, every time, basically, it was just meant, like, I was going to be in a lot of pain. And I lost, I didn't have health insurance when I was in college. I just didn't have, that. that's really what it was. I didn't have access to medical care that I needed to rehabilitate my knees because my other knee got damaged too. Um, I didn't have access to health care to fix my knees and, and get into like a good physical therapy program. I just didn't have the money. So I just had to, you know, I just had to give it up. Yeah. So...
0: That's man. I'm really sorry to hear that. That's that's like
1: yeah, it's, so that's, rough. Sorry, it's a. Ba- I just talked about bad beat stories not being fun, and that's my bad beat story. <laughs> no, I, I like, like oh I like God.
0: sports bad beat stories. I also dislike the magic or poker bad beat stories. Yeah. But I'm not trying to compare myself to your situation. But in just in recent years, uh, you know, I'm in my late 30s. So in recent years, I've had. Uh, knee issues like I was able to play basketball for many many years without anything happening mm-hmm. but it's just been tough like uh recently I, I didn't tear my ACL but I've had meniscus issues and yeah I, I'm basically retired from basketball because not that I really had a career but yeah but there's just it's too much fun. jumping and impact right and, you know this right yeah. that's what it is it's just
1: like the impact the meniscus is just I mean, I, I know a lot of people talk about, like, you know, tearing your ACL and stuff like that, but I'm telling you what, like, damaging your meniscus, it's like, you can't you can't do anything. Like, what are you going to do? Everything impacts, you can swim. You can swim. Yeah. I don't know how to swim, so. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't know how to swim. So, I guess I got nothing, because everything pretty much impacts it. So, yeah, it just, yeah, um, yeah no, I, I get it. I, especially like liking physical activity, it's tough. Like I can't even like, um, I, I don't run on treadmills. It's still my knees like pretty weak. I, I don't run on treadmills. I don't, I don't, I just do not run period. I do other things. Like I, I can bike. Um, I can hike. Um, I try and do yoga and stuff like that to kind of keep, um, healthy because I really, really enjoy high gravity beers and turns out, that is the quickest way to a beer belly is high ground beer. <laughs> so, in order to not look like, yeah. I have a beer belly. I have to. I have to do something.
0: Right. Setting 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 some standards for oneself is always uh, is yeah. always good. And what what was the rest of your college life like? Did you meet interesting people? Like, did you have certain yeah. connections with professors or TAs? And
1: what mm. was it like? I never really had any strong connections with professors in the U S um, I did live for six months in Argentina and I did, you know, I did like a summer program as well in Ecuador. Um, those are probably like my favorite parts of my university experience outside of, you know, the friends I made through rugby was going abroad. Um, Ecuador is probably, like, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, And the food is so good. I ate everything. I was with, like, um, I was in Quito, the capital. And... um, I remember like the people in my like school group being like, Oh, don't eat from street vendors, you're gonna get sick. Like and they would like <laughs> say this kind of shit. And I was like, what is that even that doesn't even make any sense? <laughs> but like, yeah. okay. Like don't get you you'll get sick. It could be mystery meat. And I was like, man, I have been to McDonald's, like there's no way it's gonna be worse than that. Like it's not possible. So, but I would just like I just threw myself into it. Like I loved. I I would just like eat everything, and they're like, "You're gonna get sick." And I like I was like, "Yeah, from overeating." <laughs> Cause I I love to eat. So.
0: What, what was what were some of your favorite foods there?
1: Um, there was okay. So I lived in this little neighborhood uh, called La Floresta, and um, it was like a strange. It was like a straight shot away from like the school where I studied at. And there was this, it wasn't actually a food, but there was this guy who would just like make, had like a smoothie cart. <laughs> and he was <would> just like, <laughs> they were just fruit. I mean, it's just fruit. It's just like, it's literally just fruit smoothies. And I would just like grab one on my way to, um to school. And I just like loved going there. Um, I will say my host mom made, um, really good food. I love to eat. I just love to eat all her food. She would make like really good breakfast. We got to go home for lunch and she would just, she would make such good food all the time. It's stuff that I would love. We had light dinners, which was, that was my first time being exposed like, what, to that what, kind, what of kind of What
0: kind of food, what kind of foods though? Just like, so, like what, was a, what was a breakfast like?
1: So breakfast, to, I like big breakfasts, breakfasts. <laughs> <laughs> i hate it i hate myself um so she would make like she would have a bunch of fresh fruit um which there's all sorts of fruit in ecuador of names that i don't know because it's ecuador and they have a bajillion varieties of everything so um yeah you know, sometimes it's papaya sometimes it was just um like pineapple also just like not pineapple just No, I'm thinking, I'm like, I really am thinking papaya. Yeah, like papaya, like all sorts of stuff. She would just like make a bunch of fruit for me, but then she would also make me a lot of eggs because I really liked (laughs) eggs. So it's just like eggs and toast and fruit. Um, There wasn't, I don't think we ate that much meat, but I've never really eaten that much meat anyway Um, once I got out of college because like meat's kind of gross. But um, then we would have lunch and we'd have like big, I eat a lot of rice now that I think about it. There's a lot of rice. But um, no, it was just in general just really fresh, good food. It's not like it was, like, fancy or necessarily, like, different except, you know, some stuff I didn't have a name for. But it was just more of the quality. It was just, like, always so fresh food, and it was, like, you know – not like freezer burned steaks. Yeah, you know, it's just, very like, different, really different from
0: like the the processed type of food that. Yeah, you that's grew something up
1: with. I really just dis- I remember distinctly. So less about like the exactly what kind of food I ate, but just more of that taste that it was just like, just good and like not, yeah, processed I guess. Um, but my favorite thing about Ecuador, my host mom was really nice. She was lovely. She lived with her, her mother lived with her and her mother was like 90 years old. She was ancient, Mm -hmm. this woman. And Mm -hmm. she was barely five feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to tease this woman mercilessly because she was so short. Um, But I loved her because we would, she would be, she was like really, really playful. Even, you know, most of the time you'd be like, oh, 90, you're in a nursing home. No, this woman was so wonderful. She was indigenous, she was really small, Um, You know, she had like her oxygen tank, but she was just feisty, and she would Mm -hmm. tease me, and it would kind of bother me because I didn't speak Spanish yet. Right. (laughs) But I know she's making fun of me because
0: you can tell by the tone of voice. Yeah,
1: I could tell, and like some stuff I knew, and so we would just tease each other like back and forth. She would sneak, (laughs) she would sneak sugar at the table. She's not supposed to have sugar. But right. she would, like, when her daughter would, like, walk out of the room, she would, like, sneak. She would, like, just spoon sugar into her mouth. Nice. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I loved her. So she was, like, a really joy to be around. So I, I loved being in, and I loved being in Keto. It was, like, the biggest city I'd ever seen. Like, I'm from a small mm-hmm. town. And, I'm right. you know, Charleston is, like, a city. But it's not. Cities, like, here are not like cities down there. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not metropolitan um for the most part but like Quito was massive it was just huge um and it was beautiful and, and and very alive and busy and there were so many people and there was it was like i mean i've been in new york city but even then it wasn't the same as like this where where's like mm-hmm. so many people um just like in one place bustling around so i really loved that and then when i went to argentina no, I met really good friends there. Like, um, I met my friends from Japan who I ended up visiting a, about a year after I, or yeah, about six six months after I left Argentina, I, w- I went to Japan, so I met them. Um, there was a couple teachers that were they were writers in Argentina. Um, one of them in particular, she's, watched, she's written books also. She's written them in Spanish and French um, and she's, I mean, I just thought she was so smart and brilliant and she like would make me think about different things. Um, that's when I really started learning more about like how like the U.S. had interacted with um, South America and like those countries and like kind of that legacy um, in some cases that really still continues. Um, you know, and then also like Argentina is kind of like a good parallel in a lot of ways for like what the U.S. did to like Native Americans. Argentina is a good parallel um, because they're like the president that's on their hundred dollar note, which is their highest note, their dollar, um, was also infamous for like a campaign of genocide where you just like swathed through Argentina, forcing indigenous mm-hmm. folks to like the Northern parts and the very, very Southern parts. Like that's what he's known for. Um, so it was kind of interesting learning about that. And like, in a lot of ways it kind of reminded me a little bit of the U S in the sense that, you know, a lot of these people are like, they're the children of immigrants they're they're just their immigrant families maybe are just a generation sooner um or sorry generation more recent was like my kind of experience but um yeah traveling abroad was like my favorite parts of college Those, those are the most memorable parts the parts where i was here kind of learning about like just in class and in school like those were never really like memorable moments for me i didn't really go to class if it wasn't mandatory, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I, mean, I
0: mean, I don't think that I don't think the smart people really go to class. It's just like, you know, you, you'll get your notes. So you figure out, figure out a way, right. To do yeah, well you, on, the, you on the exams.
1: Yeah, you got your books. I, I go to take my exams. I pass my exams. I live my life. It's fine. Like I didn't have to spend a lot of time. I mean, some classes I did if it was in something that I really didn't understand or whatever. Um, like there was like accounting. I was not very good at accounting. I hated that. So I would go. To going but yeah. I hated it <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I didn't actually like I don't actually like that kind of I didn't like that kind of schooling I guess I don't really like mm. classroom type settings I think it's just more interesting to kind of um, pick something like that I find to be an interesting topic or whatever and just like organically follow that route sometimes structure yeah. is good um but too much structure and I get kind of like, nah,
0: I don't really want to do it. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you got an overall good uh, experience slash education, but it was sort of like a lot of residual things like the traveling and like mm-hmm. being exposed to certain yeah. friendships or relationships that, that meant more than the actual going to, to class, which I think yeah. is the, the case for a lot of people, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, Clemson wasn't even my first choice for college. It was my last choice. It just happened to be the most affordable. So oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I was crushed. I mean, I was. Cr- that was part of. I, I
0: would have expected crazy. Clemson to be like a, a a fairly expensive school to go to, just just In, by virtue of the fact that even I had heard of it being like a, a D one yeah, school and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's right? more expensive now for sure, but the you know six years ago was it was it was my most affordable option because I was looking at Ivy League schools and like NYU, which is like a super Ivy League school. Like I, NYU was where I wanted to go. But then I had to just face the realities of the math, which was four years of NYU. One one year of Clemson, or sorry, four years of Clemson education would cost me one year at NYU. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
1: That was how big that gap was. And I'm talking like with scholarships. Uh-huh. It was too expensive. Yeah. It's too expensive I mean,
0: to, to go. Not, not to mention, like, just living in New York in general must be, like, an order of magnitude more. Yeah. Or I guess that's factored into what you said, right?
1: No. So, th- no, 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 that was just to go to the the education. That's just the tuition. Okay. That's, that's the tuition and the fees. Um, there's no meal plan or, um, like, Clemson has, like, first years you have to get a full meal plan and you have to live on campus. NYU is not like that, obviously. Like, why would it? Because it's charging you 50 grand for tuition <laughs> it doesn't need to scam you into buying, uh, a meal plan in the city. Mm-hmm. No, my family, uh, my dad's from Manhattan. And so mm-hmm. he grew up in this apartment in the, um, took like a little apartment in the upper East side. It's an, it's a neighborhood quite gentrified now, but, um, they actually, because of like the rules of uh, rent control and things like that. That apartment is still in my family's hands. So my aunt lives there currently. And so the idea when I went to would be if I went to NYU, which is where my aunt went, if I went to NYU, I would live there.
0: Oh, yeah. That would have helped a lot.
1: Yeah. So it would have, you know, that lived well. I mean, wouldn't
0: it wouldn't have helped with the tuition, which is the right. The, the living
1: barrier, cost but, wasn't yeah. really a factor. I mean, obviously, like, unfortunately, that neighborhood is quite gentrified now. So you kind of need six figures of income to live there comfortably. Um, but, uh, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it, but yeah, that was a, that was a tough thing. Like when I was, you know, graduating high school, not being able to go to the college of my dream. So I think part of that led to me not really engaging as much with my last choice. It was just like, all right, you're just like a necessity, not really something I wanted. So I kind of regret that a little bit. Sometimes I do wish I had either Really fully like committed to kind of like engaging with the like opportunities that were at my were at Clemson or picking you know a di- just going to a different college, just like either going to New York, or going to a different university in New York um, that was less expensive. You know, it still would have been, but in in, in the end, it just like you know came down to money. But
0: um, I mean, I do, you gotta I, do what you gotta do, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you just gotta make the best decisions that you can for yourself. I mean, because with, I think the other thing with NYU was it wasn't just four years of education I was looking at. At the time, I was considered heavily considering like being into, like going into psychology. So it was more like eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's not an education I I could just reasonably afford. I mean, I would be in a much worse financial situation if I had gone to NYU and follow through with that, just because of the student loan debt burden alone, just because of that alone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, switching gears a little bit, I, <laughs> I do need to ask, uh, how did you discover Magic the Gathering? Like, was that during college? Or was it before? <laughs> that was you college, yeah. get... Okay, tell me about the details of that
1: okay so I used to work in this restaurant this little like pseudo Italian restaurant and this is gonna sound really stereotypical and I swear to God I'm not making this up um this guy who I worked with um he was like hey have you ever heard of magic the Gathering?" I was like taking him home or something and I was like um I came right home and I was like and he mentioned magic the gathering I was like no what's that and he was just like well it's just he's like really poorly explained this game to me. It's like a card game. It's kind of like Pokemon, but like not. And there was like a lot of weird stuff. I was like, uh, he's like, but you're kind of a wizard. And I was like, okay. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't played it. He's like, okay, would you be like willing to learn? And I was like, I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm pretty much down for anything as long as, you know, it's not bad. Like I'm, that, was, I feel, he,
0: was he into you? Is that why he wanted you no, no, to play he, Magic?
1: No, 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 no. He had a girlfriend who okay. she actually used to be like some kind of professional Pokemon player. I don't know. I can't tell you. But he had a, his his problem was he needed specifically a girl to play Magic because he needed specifically a girl to play with his girlfriend. Go That's ahead. what it was. And so he's like, I really need somebody to play with my girlfriend because like she likes the game but she doesn't really like playing with me and like mm-hmm. i just want her to have like more friends like i want her to have a girl who also plays magic because there weren't any straight up that played mm-hmm. yeah. there just like weren't any and that would make sense once i started playing magic i was like mm, that makes sense why there are no girls that play this game are you joking me <laughs> I mean, i'm kidding like what the hell have y'all seen yourselves um like she would go like you know she would go to like at the lgs that we went to um when we originally went to had this guy who worked there who just freaked us out he would just openly like stare at her as if she was the last candy bar on the planet okay <laughs> and was facing extinction and, like he he just I mean, it was weird. It was weird. She felt really, really uncomfortable going there um, a lot. So that was part of the problem. The other problem is like her boyfriend, the guy who got me into magic, plays. Uh, he played like, ca- and they played casual kitchen table magic, okay? Yeah. Um, which is like the best kind of magic, to be honest, if anybody's being honest with themselves. Uh, the, he played like blue control stuff and then she played like mono green stompy monsters so it was just like she would lose all of the time just like the basis of what kind of styles of decks they were playing and so it just like wasn't fun for her so yeah he got me into it so we went to we went to walmart with we bought i bought a fat pack it was m15 okay and uh i opened like I opened like a Jason and a Johnny or something, and the and him and his guy friend, I can't remember his name, were just like, oh my god, <laughs> they were so excited. <laughs>
0: you had no idea. You're
1: just like, okay. I had like, no idea yeah, what okay. was going on. I was like, I don't understand what's happening, but <laughs> like, okay, this yeah. seems cool. So, um, but yeah, and then they 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 took me to that LGS, and um, there was a guy that. You know, he worked there and he, you know, sure showed me the ropes, taught me to play. And, um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It was something for me to do. Um, It happened, like, kind of happened during the off-season, like rugby's kind of like off-season. right? Um, Which I guess that's kind of, like, not true. I I don't know, we played rugby sometimes in the fall and sometimes in the spring. We were a small school, so it just depended on who we could get games with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, I just started playing and I really liked how complicated it was. I could tell like, I it was hard. Um, but I thought it was neat. I love the collectible side to it. Mm-hmm. So when I first started playing, uh, man, I wish I'd played magic like five years before I started playing it, man, I had run so many tables. Jeez.
0: What what do you mean by that, just in terms of like... Just in terms
1: of like... Yeah, what do you mean? So like the the collectible side of magic, um, I was really good at trading Mm -hmm. and like really good at assessing, just being able to assess what was valuable, what wasn't, what could be valuable, what wasn't. And so I was able to just build up a collection like really quickly just from... Understanding like the what was going on and being able to trade. Oh, so
0: you're saying like if you got in earlier, you could have like had more time to build it up, yeah, really, really, yeah, get that I'd be or whatever. Shit.
1: I'd be shit. but like I started playing kind of when trading started like really dying out because I think it's something that, at least in my experience, yeah, it's, it's something that sort of started dying out. People just started to. Just go to vendors. And sell, right? They just buy and sell. They yeah. go to vendors. They sell their stuff to vendors. They buy from vendors. They just like, deal with it that way instead of just right. trying to come to a, an agreement between, you know, somebody else. Even if they're you're technically going to make your percentage, yeah. stated, You're not losing value. I think the convenience of like it's just easier to deal with the store. They already have what you want. You're kind of you're you're taking the cut because you're you, you're saving yourself time. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of got in like as that was taking over. So I just, I just wish I got in sooner. I would have known what to do. I was like, man, this is this is it. This that was like the first real game to me. It was like a, it was like a game to see like how high up I could trade from one thing to another. I know like if you ever heard of packed power.
0: I have John Medina right
1: yeah yeah so that's a th- like that kind of concept was really interesting to me um but it, i mean it, it was a little uncomfortable sometimes because like i don't know like i just came across people that i don't know really struggled with social skills um i guess so sometimes i just had like uncomfortable dealings with guys but then, like, it was nice because, I like, it kind of gave me another reason to really interact with players, like, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. normally, like, talk to people I wouldn't normally, like, the person who's kind of, like, alone, like, sitting, you know, by themselves, like, in a in a, in a room, like, that yeah. was really talking to them, you know, whatever. Like, it gave me, like, an opportunity to kind of, like, talk and chat with people, and I like that regardless of whether or not, like, it ended up in a trade or whatever. So, I like that. Um, I played in this small little LGS and then eventually a store opened up in Greenville, which is about 45 minutes away from me. It's like the city that's closest. Um, And I love that place. That's when I really like started, really started learning about magic and trying to improve because the scene there was really competitive. Like if you know, if you've ever heard of William Paul, William Paul Pulliam, William Pulliam, he plays on the SCG circuit um he's won some opens like stuff like that he's out of that store there's a lot of really good magic players that came out of that store that played there Mm -hmm. um and i liked i liked being in that environment not because it was like competitive i guess because it was competitive but just because like i was with us just there was just a higher skill level and so I was learning more, um, as opposed to my really casual LGS where that there wasn't really that. Um, yeah, so I got a lot better at. I was getting better at drafting, um, just playing in general. Um, yeah, it was just like a really, like cool place to, like be at. Um, the owners eventually decided like, to close just because, they kind of. Um, I think they sort of sensed the way the winds were blowing out of, out of Wasi in terms of LGSs and support and things like that. And they were just like, nah, mm. they just weren't willing to, you know, they weren't really doing that. These two guys, I admire them a lot, actually. They started out of binders. Like they started, they, they wanted to open a store. They wanted to run really good tournaments. Like that's what they wanted to do. And they started just from trading out of binders and they built it eventually into a store. But then they were just like, yeah, this isn't really a hospitable, like, was at the time, it was just really just not a hospitable relationship between LGSs and, um, I don't know what that noise is, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, problem, yeah, it sounds like a, a, low, like a plane. plane, right? Yeah, or it's a plane. Yeah. There's been military helicopters flying around here, I don't know what that's about either, but, nah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so they just sort of sensed the, the
0: like... Where things were going.
1: Where things were going, and it was just, you know, not... To them, they would rather kind of close while they had, like, made their money and they weren't in mountains of debt than kind of, yeah. you know, scrape by, as unfortunately a lot of LJSs have had to do.
0: I know that you have said in the past that you're not looking to hit up any, like all the SCGs or all the major tournaments. So like, how would you describe yourself as a, as a magic player? Maybe, maybe starting with back in those days, like, did you, you, you were drafting, you maybe mm-hmm. played some commander, uh, you I played like some commander. constructed. Yeah, so, so like, how did you start getting your feet into magic, so to speak?
1: So I guess I started out with drafting, I really like draft, and I really wanted to be good at drafting. Um, I'm still not as good as I want to be, but I guess as good as I want to be is, like, pro level, I guess. But um, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed drafting. Um, I still do. I think limited is actually legitimately, like, the kind of the best way to play Magic. Um, But when I was playing at first, I, I, at first I was kind of wanting to be competitive. Like at first I was like really interested in playing in GPs and SEGs um, and like getting onto that circuit, not so much like pro tours. I wasn't as concerned with just because the system seemed like somebody tried to explain it to me and it took too many words. And so I just kind of tuned it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, Uh, not so much being on the pro tour didn't seem like that was never a goal of mine, but definitely doing really well at like tournament circuits, like Mm -hmm. SCGs or at a GP. Um, that was something that I was interested in for a time, but then I just think like outside life and then the culture of a tournament scene kind of was a turnoff, so it's was like wasn't super worth it. I felt really pressured. Can you be
0: more specific about that?
1: Yeah, so I felt like, particularly as, like um, an inexperienced player, as a woman, I, I felt I, I, I felt like the culture of Magic was kind of was really toxic, and in a lot of ways, really just socially immature. Um, and I felt like if I were to become a competitive grinder, that would mean n- basically taking this trade off of like what I feel, um, what I like, my own values and my own like mental health, like my own self.
0: It, it would mean accepting it. Whatever it would that mean is, yeah,
1: right? it would, and then it would mean like exposing myself to that toxicity and that negativity, and. It was just not a trade-off and i like saw it happen to a person i saw it happen to a person that you know a woman that i respected and i liked become like the worst of herself and and a a big part of it was like exposing herself to and, and trying to fit in with like the guys that you know grind and like that whole environment and it's just it wasn't a game that i was interested in playing um what
0: do you what do you mean by that was it just like your friend wanting to fit into a culture of sexism and having to go along with it or was it something else
1: yeah i mean part of it's uh, it's not so simple i think to categorize like there is sexism absolutely there is sexism And there is like predatory behavior. The way I think about a lot of magic players, the way I thought about it was like, they're basically high school boys. Even Mm -hmm. when they say that they're adults, they're basically high school boys. They have, they don't really have manners. They don't have respect for other people. And the way that, especially like just their humor, the things that they find funny are things that like, if you say to me, I will punch you. Like if you, come at me, like (laughs) I'll deck you. Like I don't give a shit. I'm not from Mm -hmm. a place. Like I don't come from a black background where I have the privilege to run my mouth off and my daddy's going to get me out of it. I don't have that Mm -hmm. privilege. I don't have the privilege Mm -hmm. to run my mouth and nothing's going to happen to me. Like where I'm from, if if I were to say, or if someone were to say the things to me that these people say to each other, just like on the regular like we fight I don't you, yeah. you get you get no like yep. it's just like not a thing and that was like a, a and like it's the, the kind of noise like it's the same kind of guys that are like oh SJW Twitter like you know like that kind of thing yeah. and they're like oh you're just offended over everything it's like I'm not offended yeah. I just am a human being that demands respect. And so like if okay, you so, don't know how so to my, do So so my my words then. not
0: yours like I I do feel that uh, this is my words all right yeah. I do feel like there's a little bit of not a little bit there is like this frat bro yeah. in magic and there's a lot of a lot of drama especially within the mm-hmm. grinder community cuz in recent years I've I felt a little bit more because of working with no names, but working yeah. with certain players, interviewing players, like, yeah. you know, organizers. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. And there's a lot of, uh, yeah. uh, I hate to use the term, but, like, man-children, right? There's yeah. a lot of lot of that.
1: There's a lot of that. There's And it's not, like, I, I don't want to make it seem like, okay, it's, like, all men in magic are bad or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's a very... There are some
0: really good people. But there there's, are, there's, but, but the, there's the, a very the, the immature... The default where the, the average is not that great.
1: Yeah, there's a really immature, like... Kind of culture um, and like behaviors, and it's it's petty, especially among grinders. That's something I noticed. Like it's petty. It's it's like there's like, am I in high school? Like we're talking crap about one another. Like that's what we're doing. Yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah, a lot of, I pay lot of taxes.
2: drama. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like I have I pay taxes, my dude. I don't have <laughs> time for your <laughs> whatever your thing uh, is. Like I, I right. got bills to pay. Like this is ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. then there's also like, you know, like a lot of magic players are young too. Like they're just, they're just young. So it's, it's like, you know, you you feel like the, the only adult in the room sometimes. And then, you know, if you try to express yourself as like, this was a big thing. If I tried to, I felt like if I tried to express myself as somebody who was um a woman of color like it, there are certain things that i don't i don't find acceptable like if you call me the n word i mean we're we're fighting i don't care <laughs> i don't care what's happening like yes. we're going to fight and that's that's the end right. of that like i don't know you like that and but these is the kind of things these are the jokes that they would make back and forth with each other like and it's just like that right. kind of stuff's not funny to me. And if I expressed at any time, if I ever expressed that I was uncomfortable by um, the tone of a you'll conversation, be ac- you'll be accused of
0: being uptight or uppity, or yeah. Some, and some then they would just shut
1: me out. So that was my that was the reality that I came to was that okay, I couldn't be, I would not be able to stay within my boundaries of what I find to be acceptable in terms of like just basic behavior, because the moment mm-hmm. I tried to speak out about it, it, a wall would form between these toxic bros mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, people in general and they would shut me out. And then, you know, they wouldn't want to play test with me or they wouldn't want to help me get better because they'd be worried about me canceling them on Twitter. Like, like nice. I give a shit, like it, that was the trade off. Like that was a decision that I felt like what I had to make was I wouldn't be able to get both. I couldn't be like happy, like me and like yeah. be chill and like have a good time and not worry about drama and deal with like immature, you know, barely 20 year olds who yeah. like share, like, you know, who like are really toxic mm. towards each other. I just couldn't do it. I really couldn't do it. And then the way I also saw, Um, I guess the, in this, and I'm not saying all magic, um, groups like grinders are like this. Obviously I don't know everybody. Um, some people might have just had a different experience in terms of who they were exposed to. And that matters a lot. Um, but I think I just happen to have like too many negative experiences where like, you know, you would see somebody make a mistake, um, a play mistake, and then the whole group would just attack them dogpile pile, dog pile yeah. on them and it was just like this is kind of this isn't a thing that i want to do yeah. like team events were the worst events for me to ever go to with my friends because if somebody on the team messed up the other people would be like hating on them for the whole weekend or whatever like right it's it was just like it's just it's honestly like not a great i don't really think that paper competitive magic that i was exposed to was a good scene or worth participating in 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 any sort of level and i'm honestly surprised like i'm and it's not just because of like you know sexist jokes or whatever or the Mm -hmm. fact that like there's a lot of magic players who still play today who are freaking predators um it's not even just because of that like that's a real thing um, mm-hmm. but it's just because just in general, there's, there was just seemed to be this toxic, like hateful discourse all of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just not, it was just not a thing for me that I really wanted to do. And I'm surprised that any, just in general, any woman would want to do it or any person of color is just like, why would you want to do anything, have yep. anything to do with this like at all? Um, yeah you know, yeah
0: that's just how it it's, it's really interesting that you i think it's a really important call of what you just said because you know i feel like sometimes there are these generalizations where people think that there needs to be like this catastrophic event that happens to somebody to make them stop playing yeah. or do something or or to start doing something mm-hmm. really right sometimes uh i'm thinking about like you know people having come to Jesus moments or finding religion or something. But, but I think oftentimes we overlook the fact or underestimate the fact that it's just like, honestly, it's like having a coworker. Like, do you want to work with these people? Like, do you want to actually hang out with these people? And if it's not fun for you, it should be a very simple, like, yes or no. Like, is Mm -hmm. this fun for me? It doesn't have to be like, you know, somebody said something like overtly racist at you or something Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to come to that it's just like is this the culture that environment that i want to be in that's actually just as important as like the final straw whatever that straw is right Right. i think it's really good that you you touched on
1: that yeah i mean i think that's um i think there's a reason by the way that people are going to see women like more women playing magic now in the environment that we have right now more people, women playing magic and more women performing better digitally, like through digital games. And no, not because they have some secret boyfriend playing for them. No, but because like (laughs) you get to cut when you cut out an environment and this goes beyond just a singular gender or a singular, you know, race, When you get to cut out a toxic noise, like background noise, you can just focus and you can just play and you can just put yourself into that game. And the downside, like I know everybody loves the gathering, everybody loves gathering. I do not like the gathering. The gathering for me was not. (laughs) The gathering for me was not it. It was not it. Um, you know, the obviously, like you know, I have a very different experience. You know, playing commander and like I, you know hanging out with like my cosplay friends and like that kind of stuff. Like that's different, but like playing competitive magic, paper magic, that gathering, hell no, not fun, not amusing. It's awful. Um, th- yeah, no, no, don't like it. I, I, have no, like me for like conventions. It's sad that they're not happening, but only because I'm not like hanging out with like my cosplay friends or whatever. Like I don't miss, I, I, you couldn't pay me to miss a paper tournament. You couldn't, I just like to right. feel bad that they're gone. Cause it's like, there's so many, like there's just a lot of toxic environments. And I'm not like, I know there, there are people who like really get hung up on like buzzwords, like, Oh, like you're just an SJW or like you're over, you're a snowflake. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people get hung up on these things, but it's just when you have like, with a game as complicated as magic, it's tough to want to be involved like to put that much you're already putting a lot of work into it already right mm. with your brain but then it's like shoot you have to do a lot of emotional labor just to like like your friends your friends right. you, have to, you have to do work just to like them because they're gonna say mm. stupid things you know that are insensitive or and not very funny yeah. and it's like if you don't then you get like iced out and it's just, it's, it's smaller. I think it's like that, that kind of treatment over a long time. That's why you don't see as many, that's why you don't see as many women of color. That's why you don't see certain groups put up with magic because it's just like, this isn't worth it. Like this, this is not worth the toxic environment that I would have to expose myself to. And, um, you know, and I just want to be clear that it's toxic on both sides of the political spectrum it's toxic in a lot of different, you know, subcultures in MTG, like, it's just really difficult to so, sometimes to like, it's it's like to be awake, <laughs> it's to be like, you know, to be even marginally awake, is just to be constantly mad, because you're just mm-hmm. having to, you know, kind of fight through you know fight through stuff and sometimes it's like for me shoot I would have people be like would preemptively say things as if I were gonna like flip my top or whatever they'd be like oh don't say that like she's gonna whatever and I'm like you don't know me I don't know you
0: like classic uh mansplaining
1: yeah
0: you know some variation of that yeah
1: it's like like just chill like I don't I'm just trying to, like, have a good... I'm just trying to have a good time, right? right? Like, I'm just trying to have a good time, play this yeah. game, like... And and it's good and, like, not worry about that. Probably the best... I mean, when I went to Mythic Championship 7, I mean, I really enjoyed, like, my favorite moments were, like, playing, you know, Autumn Burchett's cube. They brought a Bant cube and, you know, playing with these players who were just infinitely better at this game than me and it's like i'm not saying that to be self-deprecating oh yeah autumn is incredible yeah like autumn objectively Objectively, autumn is incredible like nasif is incredible like these players are so good it's like it reminded me actually of this rugby game to do a little callback we played it against Mm -hmm. a a, a university it was life university they're known as the rugby university it's a chiropractic college that's what that's literally all it does it's chiropractors um, but they play rugby and I remember playing this game and feeling like as it was happening, I was just getting schooled and it was like to such a degree that it wasn't like I could even be angry or upset about it. I was just learning. <laughs> I was just yeah. learning. I was like, Oh my God, like that's how it should be. Like, Oh my God. So like yeah. when to, to bring it back, like, so when I was playing magic, when I was playing cube, you know, in California with these amazing players, it was just. It was such an awesome environment to be in. Right. Because there wasn't any weird drama. All these people are adults, by the way. Like mm-hmm. all these guys they're they're all like mature adults who are older and like, you know, there wasn't this kind of like conversation and weird discourse and stuff. And like, obviously maybe, obviously they could have been saying something like when I wasn't in the room or whatever, but that's not what the focus was on. That so much of the conversation was about like, you know, like where we like casual stuff and like match the game and like, Understanding things like even just having pro players be like, Oh, I don't really understand this line, just asking me what I'm doing, not telling me, not aggressively saying, Oh, you should do this. Well, that's
0: that's how that's how they all got there. And I would argue that's how you got there, too. It's like you know, you have that growth mindset, you're thinking about how to improve, and you're I think they got there because they minimize the drama, they actually focus on trying to get better, right?
1: Yeah, and I honestly think if that's what more of the competitive culture was like. If Paper Magic was like, if I was exposed to that earlier, I would be a much different player. That, it's but I didn't it's that so that tough though, fun.
0: because like, you know that at the highest level, you'll get that awesome experience. But then to get there, you have to slog through, <laughs> yes, all uh, this you know, people mud. playing with people who are not like that. And that's right. that's frustrating too, to know that there's like that light, but then it's probably not worth getting to that light.
1: I mean, it's, yeah it's, and it's hard and like the more of a you know yeah the more you have to put up with so much to kind of get there um, and obviously I guess the less you're offended by the easier it is but like for me it's not even like the skill it was just like the way yeah like the conversations around magic and the game there wasn't weird petty drama there wasn't weird gossiping about stuff like it was just being just thinking about magic and I really like to think about magic because there's so much that I don't understand. And so I always try and like talk it out and be like, Oh, what if we had like this card or like what's the relationship between these things? I know people say it's basically like, Oh, aggro, combo, control, like whatever. Like you have these, I I like thinking of like these relationships and stuff. And in my earlier days I just didn't have anybody to do that with because I felt that it was just not a conducive, you know, a conducive environment for me to, to actually learn comfortably and think about the game without like having to be like, no, I don't think saying the R word is funny. Sorry. My bad. Like, yeah, yeah, if I was exposed, but if I was exposed to that kind of environment more that I, I mean, I would just, I would be much more interested in playing competitively. Um, as it stands, that's not, that's not really my goal um it still isn't i mean i, I played like ranked on arena um but to me um i guess the system seemed to be constantly in flux so it's hard for me to set my mm-hmm. mind on something when the goalpost seems to change often yeah and and rapidly and not really
0: i i know i ones. know if you I have a few friends who are trying to climb that mythic ladder to qualify for rivals or whatnot and I, let me tell you it's hearing them talk about it. It's just not anything that I would ever want to do. it's just no i I you know it's it's just rough
1: yeah, that was something that like made me like um pause. Streaming and stuff like that because that was something that I did find. So, like, I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable in these like competitive spaces. So then I was like, okay, well, I could pick up streaming and I can play magic digitally and it's cool and I get to hang out and I can interact with people. It wasn't like a money thing, it was just for me to like have a good, comfortable space that I could like still play magic in and like still feel like Mm -hmm. I have like kind of a community. Yeah.
0: With all the gathering and all that other stuff,
1: right? Yeah, but like you know, curated, more curated, I guess. But um, but then I, you know, the program, the arena program, was just really, really hard on my mental health because when you're playing the ladder, especially how they had it before, you know, like when you're playing. It's like one to one, the ratio of win to loss. So if you win a match, you get one rank. If you lose, Mm -hmm. you get, you lose that same number of whatever ticks you just gained. So like, I just was spending, um, this happened the same time about the same time that I got my ADHD diagnosis. And so I was also like trying to figure out, um, like medications that could be, um, that would work for me. Um, you know, I was diagnosed pretty late. It was, yeah, it was like last year. Yeah. It was last year that I got diagnosed and I'm, you know, I was 25 and, um, yeah. had been under a lot of pressure from like my job and I kind of had a little breakdown and it wasn't great. And I was on a car accident. It was not great. So like I played arena cause it was like mm. escaping. But then, um, the, the system that that was the latter. And it still is. It's just so toxic because you can spend – you feel like you've gained nothing. You've gained nothing. You've you've played nope. for three hours and you've gained nothing. You've gone nowhere. And then you tie that <laughs> into your own. I mean, yeah, you like win.
0: I'm just laughing because I can relate to yeah, this, both like, Arena and Magic Online. Sometimes like, I wonder, why did I, where, where did my five hours go? I just wasted five hours. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's like you haven't achieved anything. And it's not really a great – I feel like it's not quite – Um, it's not a program where you can learn very well Mm. on it because it's, it's, it's digital. So you don't have somebody around there to kind of critique and chat with you and talk you through what you're doing, unless you're, you know, in a discord or whatever with somebody, you're doing things on the fly on your own. And so I just got to these points where I would just, and I would get like raging mad because I would like hyper-focus play for five hours, end up nowhere, end up no closer to mythic and you know it was just and i feel like i didn't gain i didn't gain anything um at least with leagues on moto what i like about moto leagues is you have five matches five matches Mm -hmm. that's it just five matches and your the outcome will be determined based on how you do and then you can play another one and it starts fresh and it's fine but with 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 arena, it's such a toxic program because you're just banging, you're beating your head against the wall and it's not about quality. Mm -hmm. It is not about quality. That game is not, Mm -hmm. that program is not about quality. If you want to play the ladder, you just pick something that has a slightly better win percentage than 50 and then you just go and you just beat your head into the wall.
0: It's just this infinite... um rat race, yeah, this it's infinite ladder. Literally, it's a ladder. You just keep climbing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And then you're always trying to get to number one or hold it, and it's like this scramble. And you don't even really know why you're doing it, other than there's yeah. some mythical carrot that you're going to get, you know? Like, you know, oh, we. I mean, we didn't know at the time that Rivals was going to be a thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, there. there's so many things that are just like about that program that I just I struggled with to the point where I, I literally did not like to play magic. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy that game. I I, I didn't enjoy the game. I didn't want to play it. I would play one match, whether I win or lost, I felt exactly the same. And so it made streaming really difficult because I'm having to basically bang my head against this wall, play this rat race, um, in full view of other people. And when I'm like stressed and I'm trying to focus you know you're not playing as well when you stream there's a lot of stuff there and um no that just it just sucked the fun out of magic for me so i just had to yeah i just stopped playing for a while and then i just stopped streaming i think i've kind of i'm, I'm slowly getting back into streaming as i figure out you know boundaries that work for me um mm-hmm. but those are pretty i mean i keep them pretty strict because i was in like such a bad place um like basically the moment i stop having fun i don't care if i've been playing for you know streaming for 30 minutes two hours it doesn't matter i just stop i just right. i just do something else because that game is really just not conducive to like your own you know your own mental health and yeah
0: you want, you want to avoid getting to a space where it's like it becomes a job or something. You feel obligated.
1: Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I think is kind of rough about playing magic is that there is this idea of it's like this vague idea of like some reward we're going to get out of this that will make it all seem worth it. And that is such a punishing, brutal idea that I really wish more Magic players would just dump. Because the reality is, it is not worth it. The reality is, it is not worth it to become a pro player. It's just mathematically not worth it, period. Right. Like, even before the... Like, okay, obviously, if you make the MPL and you're making some contract, it's less now, but, like, if you're making the MPL or whatever, that's one thing. But especially pre-MPL, before that was a real thing, you're... the amount of money you spend on one physical magic cards, you know, maintaining your collection, um, traveling, um, just tournament fees, the amount of money and believable amount of money that you put into this luxury card game. And if you're doing really well, you might be breaking even. And then like, what's yeah. the ceiling for you? What making 30 grand a year? What is that? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Who lives off of that? That's nothing. It's not worth it. It it is not worth it to make, you know, 30, 40 grand a year that I'm going to have to pay taxes on anyway. Like, it's just not, (laughs) that's not worth it to me. So like, so there's that. And then there's the idea that's also behind like content creation and being a streamer. Ooh, the amount of money you can make as a streamer. No, the vast majority of streamers are not making enough money to live on. And the money that they are making to live on, again, is less than 50 grand, which is not a lot of money, period. It's right. Which is not a lot of, it's not, it, it, not
0: here, yeah. it's not, I
1: don't care where you live. If
0: it's- I think it ultimately comes down to like, you should do these things if you actually genuinely yes. enjoy them, but don't, don't conflate it with, oh, this is a, an honorable profession. or Yeah, like this is don't, a life. Don't, don't pretend or... that there isn't a huge opportunity cost associated with it's, it. Because like yeah. that's, that's one thing.
1: People just completely yeah. ignore that opportunity cost. But we, we push ourselves to play this, this game because there's some, you know, monetary reward. Oh, we could win a tournament and then you win, what, like $1,200 or something. But right. it's like when you think of all the costs that were put into that, not just monetary, but like your own mental emotional like physical health like bruh this is not this is just. Yeah. it's just it's kind of a, it's a scam just to be honest like it's a scam if you if that's how you if you come at it that way it is a scam like you will be mm-hmm. much better off financially and you know in other spheres if you just like had you know some career or whatever that you enjoyed and then you know you treated this game as a hobby I think this this there's like a Awful pressure um, when you play magic to monetize, to to make yeah. your money. You know, there's like this awful like uh, yeah. drive there that I kind of think like taints the game. You know, like there's such a huge incentive to cheat. Um, yeah. It's just positive EV to cheat, to be honest. Like obviously it's reprehensible and you shouldn't do it, um, but right. if you're just you're kind of incentivized to cheat. Mm -hmm. it's like that's what the sort of the culture is like and i just think that that's really really unfortunate because it it makes people catty and and just kind of like brings up kind of like the worst of your it brings out the worst of yourself when you try to treat magic like it's a job because when you really look at the numbers and you're honest with yourselves the value is not really there to treat it that way
0: it's just not i'm reading a book about the history of esports right now just about you know all the other games that have been broadcast over the past 20 30 years mm-hmm. um there's actually a really interesting chapter in that book it's actually a a, a new book called this is esports and uh talking about cheating actually
2: mm-hmm.
0: the author is uh i'm gonna get his last name mispronounced but paul chilanner he's a he's a british uh broadcaster he's been in esports for a very long time and he actually has a view where he's sort of not defending the cheaters, but he's like, I can see where they're coming from because these are people that are barely scraping by. Even if you're sponsored by some team or whatever, I'm talking about Counter-Strike yeah. or some of these other games, like you're just trying to do what it takes to survive. And so you can definitely be tempted, especially in a, in a world where also they don't have any guidelines. Like There's no orientation. Like, okay, what should you do? Like some of them have never played traditional esports, sports, so they're not thinking about who am I hurting by fixing this match? Right? right. So there there's a lot of things that go into it where I'm not trying to defend them. I don't think the author is, but it's like, can you really blame somebody for going the extra mile to yeah. try and like stay on the train? Like even if it's just breaking even, right? Right. So it's there's a sort of cognitive dissonance that happens in magic and in, and in other games. It's like, first of all, call a spade a spade. Like if you're magic to enjoy it, let's just just say you're doing that, Mm -hmm. but don't try to like chase that lottery ticket and say something else. And Mm -hmm. also just like look down on people who are not exactly in the same situation Mm -hmm. you are. You know what I mean? So it's like, but I think it's human nature in general. Like this is kind of my soapbox. It's like, we as human beings like tell ourselves something different from reality all the time, yeah. And it just sort of manifests itself in in magic, yeah. For this subculture,
1: yeah, especially like with what you said, like chasing that lottery ticket. Like I think that's that's what it feels like. So much of magic has become about even like content creation and stuff. There's so many more content creators, and while well, like you know that's good to have a lot of perspectives, it's also like it's it's I just. Yeah, I just, I feel like people, we're all just chasing that lottery ticket. We're chasing like, you know, the best way to make money, you know, the, from this game. And maybe that's because we're trying to escape from what we just don't like in our own outside lives. You know, I really dislike having a nine to five job I have a number in my mind and a goal that I'm working towards so that I can be self-employed and I don't have to, um, work, you know, that kind of office job, and, and I, I imagine a lot of people are like that. Like if they could strike it big, if they could get that lottery ticket, they 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 would. Um, and I don't and I don't blame anybody for that. But I think when you have a game like, I think people need to understand one, you don't earn as much in Magic as you do in other games. I don't know what's right. like. This is a low earning game, period. Even like even streamers. Like even with streaming, it's a low viewership game.
2: Yeah. You're just
1: not your ceiling ain't that your your ceiling ain't that high. Yeah.
2: Um yeah.
1: like even the highest ceiling ain't that isn't the same as like higher ceilings and other games. So they're, you know. It's the lottery. the basically the lottery ticket, I feel like, is not here. And part of my problem through my magic journey has been breaking that thought process that was kind of put into me was chasing that lottery ticket. And I've had to really break that in order to even start to enjoy even start to enjoy magic again. Is to kind of get that thought out of my head.
0: But it sounds like you're still what what's the right way to say it? Like you're still in the magic culture, even though you're not doing mm-hmm. it in the ways that a grinder would. So for example, yeah. you're getting into cosplay like you're still mm-hmm. you know you had an excellent article a while back about the roles and responsibilities of content creators uh, you know you write really well and you you. you you know how to express yourself so talk to me about you know maybe some of those endeavors and you know how how you, how you look at those things
1: so i started to just like try and play around with like I, with, especially with cosplay, I just wanted to do, I just wanted to still engage with magic because it's something that I enjoy, but I wanted to treat it as a hobby, and I do treat it as a hobby, um, I only really, I only, I'm very fortunate to have the sponsors that I have, I'm sponsored by Cardsphere, um, they let me write about whatever I want, they like, they let me write whenever I want, It just, I have a lot of freedom with them, and, and, you know, they're, you know, happy to, kind of like help me and like support me however and that's even with cosplay that's with um you know writing that article um so i just wanted to figure out like how can i how can i engage with the magic community and with the game um in a way that i still enjoy that's really not competitive i just had to sort of redefine that for myself Um, i love cosplay i think it's um really, really interesting. I've always like seen it. I never really thought about doing it for myself. Um, but then I saw the art for, um, Clothis, the god, Mm, the red green god, um, from There's Beyond Death. And it was like a light went off in my head and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I guess, I, I guess when I think about like the art of magic, while yes, you have Teferi and like you've, you, you have brown people in, in magic. It's not as much, but like you, you, you have brown people in magic, but I couldn't relate to what was being shown to me so often. It wasn't as mm. many brown people. There's just like, wasn't as many people that I could, especially women that I could mm. look like and I felt comfortable, like cosplaying, like I could see myself in, like I couldn't see myself in Chandra. I'm not, you know. What about Liliana? I love Liliana. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't cosplay Liliana, but Liliana is like one of my favorite characters. Um, yeah. It's, she's, I think she's, she's a very interesting kind of person to think about. Um, I relate to her kind of in a lot of ways, but, you know, but I saw Clothis and I was like, wow, like this is. I mean this person looks this character looks powerful and and, and beautiful and strong and mm-hmm. and so interesting and it just made me want to try it and so that's what i did i've just been like trying it and then i saw joe rail um from m21 mm-hmm. that art looks incredible i'm already making that cosplay as well so i'm making two cosplays at the same time and a big, also a big aspect of like the cosplay was that I just love the cosplayers. I love being around them and hanging out with them and it's a really fun environment. Yeah. So, you know, I did that and and that's kind of where I'm at now. It's just like, eh, I'm just doing things that make, you know, that I have fun, you know, I have fun doing. But yeah, I have grown, like my followers have grown, like I've grown I've like been developing like an audience already through streaming and like writing. So I do feel like um, compelled to be honest with just based on my experience, I feel really compelled to be honest with people about one, what I'm interested in and what I'm thinking about. So writing that, you know writing about the rules of content creation that was a Oh, that was a tough one, but I felt really compelled to write it because up until that point, I really had hadn't seen mm, pro players, Magic players in general, kind of talk about what was going on, like in the outside, you know, yeah. world. And it frustrated me sometimes, um, and it really, really bothered me. It made it feel like um, people didn't care about you know mm-hmm. the things that I cared about and the things that you know I feel like everybody should care about. And, you know, that sounds arrogant, but that's just sort of like where I was at.
0: Not at all, because I think we all have our own perspectives. So I think it's important to to share one's views. Right. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the article. And to be honest, this is like where I yeah. this is actually the part that I'm really looking forward to, to talking to you about yeah. is I feel like you've been very honest through the, all of this. And I feel like I need to be the same because besides we're like two hours into a podcast so you know if anyone actually made it this far they're <laughs> going to be they actually care what we have to say and you know and no one you know won't be <laughs> taken out of context on some tweet because you know like nobody you know it's much easier to read a tweet than it is to listen to a podcast but honestly I struggle with that because I have not publicly said much about Black Lives Matter or any of the things that are going on in the U.S. there's there's a couple of reasons for that I just be real straight up mm-hmm. one I don't I didn't grow up in the US. I never lived there. I mean I visited several times, but I don't I don't pretend to know a lot about what people are going through mm-hmm. other than just what I read about in the media and I know that it has like distortions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but two I I, I struggle with because I have a startup, you know, Carboard Live. I also do yeah. like a very, very fringe project called Humans of Magic, like this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if like me saying things one way or the other could potentially alienate myself from. Yeah. You know, we work with Wizards of the Coast for Carboard Live. You know, we have certain relationships, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, sometimes it can feel a lot safer just to. Yeah quote unquote, do nothing or say right. nothing. Right. And you touched on that in the article. I actually found that to be a really good perspective. Like I didn't read it and, and it was like, I, I didn't read it and think I completely disagree. I feel like there is something there, but I, I still struggle with that. So it's like, I don't I don't yeah. know. It's not a question here. It's just, this is just kind of like how I feel.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. No, I completely understand what you're saying because something that I noticed was, especially there's like a cult, there's like a, weird I think it's weird and maybe I just think it's
0: weird because I'm like oh oh, sorry I'll I'll just complete my thought oh sorry no no I'm sorry to cut you off like (laughs) I also feel that I also feel this anxiety because Mm -hmm. I feel like what I say can be misconstrued or Mm -hmm. construed as performative and I don't want to do that it's like you know I, I feel this weird thing where it's like if I tweet about these good movements happening right now well, where was I? The other eleven months of the year, where was I last year? So it's like I have that struggle within myself too. That, that, yeah. That's that's what happens. <laughs>
1: no, that makes sense. So like I think there's a couple things like at play here that's really that are worth seriously like considering, um, and it's not one that I would have considered if I hadn't started to do content creation. So you know, I realize one there's like a sort of. Mm, there's this weird thing. I think it's weird, but it's like this positivity thing. It's kind of gross to me, but it's like where, you know, you're like, always...
0: I want magic to be just all positivity. <laughs> right, it's like, you
1: something. know, you want your your brand because that's what you're doing. You're developing your brand. As a content creator, you have a brand. Um, If you're trying to be successful, you develop that. A lot of them sort of focus on on uh, take the angle of being um positive and happy and so they don't talk about politics they don't talk about you know real life they don't talk about anything that could be divisive because they want everybody to have a good time and 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 that's that and you know that's not their role to step in and and talk about things like that and that's to me it's kind of odd because i because like you have, you have people in your audience who this, you're, that, that are being affected by this, that are being hurt by this, uh, you know, it's, that's, this is their life, you know, and maybe you think by not saying anything you're doing, you know, you're helping them escape, but the reality is they have to go back to that life. Like, you know, that's, that's, they can't really, escape
0: or not go back. It's, it's they they can't really escape
1: it. They can't, they can't escape it. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a naive thing to talk about, but then there's also, you know, but it. I don't think it's coming from a bad place, but then there's also this idea that, okay, like kind of like what you're touching on, you have a relationship with wizards. You have your, you know, cardboard live. You do have to be careful when you, the more people that you have, following you or like eyes on you, um, professional relationships, you do have to be careful about what you say. Um, not just because maybe, you know, you you don't want it to be misconstrued or whatever. And it's really easy to do that on social media when people are very reactive without being Mm -hmm. analytical. So I understand, you know, I understand that there's that. Um, and there is absolutely the, the, what you were touching on about being performative, like where were you before? So I kind of try and treat these I, I sort of had to break them down separately for myself because this is these are reactions that I've had. It's like, all right, like what were you doing before? Like it, it makes me mad that like cities were you know, buildings, fires, like you had like this much violence before wizards made any kind of statement. It makes me mad. It makes me mad. It just right. makes me mad that it's, it's taken this yeah. long. Um, but that's an emotional thing. And at the end of the day, um, I am grateful for everybody who used their platform to mobilize their community to, you know, raise money and do stuff. It's, it's honestly not too late if you're doing mm-hmm. actual, if you're taking actual steps to benefit you know, society to benefit the, your own personal community, you know, people in your community or cities, things like that, like other people, that's that's awesome. And and that's not something that's really going to be, um, that we should shy away from because some people might think, oh, we're just doing it because it's, it's all the rage. At the end of the day, like the person who just got arrested um, unfairly by police They don't care if their money came from, if the money to bail them out came from somebody who just learned about this movement yesterday. There
0: isn't like a caveat attached to it, right? right? there's
1: no, it doesn't matter, you know, it just matters that people help. Now, like, I will say, I don't expect, like, I don't have the same expectations for like international players to, um... To like talk about like American issues, it's just not something that I think makes a lot of sense. Only because like I don't really know everything about every issue going on. In-
0: oh, I mean, I have a yeah. lot of I have a lot of opinions about everything. It's just It's just a question of whether they're well informed or
1: not. Yeah, like, I don't, I mean, I just don't know all the time. So it's like I don't really like hold international like players to the same sort of standard when it comes to talking about American issues, but. Yeah, the performative thing is real. The scary thing that I see is the people who, it's like there's like a bare, there's like a sort of like a bare minimum, uh, which is, you know, maybe you retweet, maybe you like put like Black Lives Matter in your name, but you really haven't done anything actually constructive it's just kind of like
0: you haven't helped amplify the, yeah. the voices that are underrepresented right that that's the I, takeaway i got from yeah, the article you it's really like done anything at the end of the day it's performed if it still ends up going back to it's all about me right Right,
1: and it's just it's it's like i don't need proof like i don't need a tweet like no, we don't need tweets to like t- to matter especially like and i think it's part of it it's like it's i could it's hard to fit in a two-hour podcast <laughs> i couldn't talk <laughs> <first> about this <laughs> one particular thing but like the history yeah, we need
0: a separate seminar right yeah. the
1: history of the united states is so um complicated because so much of it has been um obfuscated so so much has been kind of like misconstrued and whitewashed and like hidden and stuff so like we don't really understand the certain like ramifications of what was done 50 years ago 100 years ago we don't really understand so it's like hard for me i don't really expect you know international players to just like unpack
2: that (laughs) oh
0: no no i mean i try to learn about things and i think what my generalization this could be wrong too is like there are a lot of institutional forces at work that have been built up over centuries and just because we don't see something like if i look outside my window i can see the tree and i can just easily say yeah of course that tree is green or the the leaves are green but i don't really understand it just because i just because it's there in front of me doesn't mean that like something didn't happen a hundred years ago to this tree right or there, like the context is not yeah really there and so it's yeah. very ignorant to just say this is fair, or this is like, right, is, uh, you know, yeah, it's not like there's, there's these structures and institutions mm-hmm. and power structures in place that have existed. So the tree analogy is bad, but, it's okay, I, I, but you, you I think you understand where I'm. Yeah. I understand. What you mean.
1: So like, but, so with that being said, with like, there's things that are structurally wrong with the United States. Mm-hmm. When you have a problem like this, where it is not about, you know, somebody called me the N word, you know, or it's, it's not about these little things where we're talking about structural issues. The last thing that we care about is what it is some performative thing, because for us, that is not the issue. The issue is not that you is not that there is a card called invoke prejudice. The issue is mm-hmm. you let somebody do this in the first place. That's the issue. I don't care about changing it. Changing it now, though, you know, abandoning it and changing it now does not change the situation of, you know, black people in the United States. It doesn't. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. We don't want that kind of stuff that's easy Mm -hmm. to do. Like, when Wizards... Yeah. It just blew my mind. When they, like, trotted out, you know, the black people that work for them and what, they need two, three? Did they get to three? I don't know. I was just like, this yeah. is unbelievable. This is not the point. And that's why, um, you know, I think that's where it gets really difficult with social media because stuff gets misconstrued. So you kind of have to be careful when you're talking about an an issue like this, where there are systemic systemic problems in the judiciary system and like legislature and in the economy. The, nobody cares about like i, I don't want to see if you're going to do something if you were going to do anything i don't want to see you talk about the black people you know i don't know that does not do anything for me that doesn't do anything to me for me what matter what i want to know is who are you hiring who's in right. charge of hiring them how are they being supported you know, at yeah. work, what are they, you know, what are their roles? Are yeah. they in leadership positions or are they contract mm-hmm. workers? Cause these are different. These have much different impacts on, you know, uh, the workplace culture. Like I, as a woman of color do not want to work for wizards. If there are three black people in the building, no, you know, mm-hmm. no Hispanic people, but I don't want to work there. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be over scrutinized the whole time it's not worth that stress right now that's just it's just not worth it mm-hmm. so you know as a person who's just you know you have a small company or like you know you're just a streamer uh, you have a platform of some type of some kind it's important to understand like if you were going to do anything like you can do if you do nothing all right fine be about your pockets like or you know just stay in the lane that you feel comfortable with. But if you were going to do something, when you're talking about an issue like this, it's super important to not do some shallow performative thing, because then you send a signal that you're not really listening, which is really frustrating. So like, yeah, you know, the best advice I can really offer people is to Now I'm not somebody that represents like a big brand. I don't represent a brand at all. And it doesn't matter to me if I say something and Watsy doesn't hire me. I don't really, it doesn't make a difference to my life, but you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm not in your situation. So I can't really speak for you, but I think if you stand up for what is right, and I'm talking about like human rights, these things, who can really fault you for this? Like who can fault Mm -hmm. you for you know, amplifying those voices for fi- who can, why, why would you like, there's no real, you know, there's no real loss there. Now. Do I think that every person with a platform should wade into every social issue? No, cause that's unreasonable. <laughs> it doesn't make, it's unreasonable. It's, it's, it kind of, it's not really, there's some things that just aren't worth that fight. I just happen to think this is worth that fight. And I'm glad that other people, like other streamers, also felt the same way. And I'm not just talking about like people of color. Yeah. You know, I'm super glad to see that. Um. But yeah, it's just, I rambled a bit. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. No, this is really good. I, I think what I'm, this might be a bad habit, but mm-hmm. I, maybe annoying, but I I always try to like rephrase what saying. No, that's actually what people really are good saying.
1: because I, tur- I talk in circles. So it's good that you do this. <laughs> okay.
0: I think what I'm taking from what you said is that talk is cheap, right? Like or or resting on past laurels, like we hired X people in these roles of these ethnicities. That's like yeah, that's we already did that. Oh, you know, pat yourself on the back. You great, you did that great. But it's more about like what can you actually do going forward? It's more about the actions as opposed to just yeah, saying I support this, like so there needs to be this sort of alignment with like if you really say this, you have to back it up with right. action, X, Y, and Z. Right. right.
1: Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna step into that, then you need to say right. something.
0: If you're gonna step into the arena, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. you, gotta, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta back yeah, up. Yeah,
1: you up. gotta you gotta play. Like the the thing with um you know, the thing with wizards that's just that's that the thing it's not really with wizards, but it, it is. But with the game as like something that I noticed was that um people think that there's not an issue of racism and magic because it's a global game. Everybody all over the world it, plays it. Okay, like, well, what's happening in countries in Africa? What are we doing there? How's that going? Yeah. Ever yeah. been there? No? Interesting. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Weird. Um. Oh, we had discretionary invites, and uh, we didn't use them on... Pop on like amazing black players. Interesting, awkward, huh? Okay. There's like things that like you know this they do and I and I don't know if it's because like this is something this is a conversation which I was having with my friends, but I was like I'm happy that there were women who were invited onto um, the MPL. They like they need the does need to really strong arm course, correct um, the environment that they've um, perpetuated up until this point. But it's like, it's actually, it's a funny parallel for history that, you know, the history being like in the U S white women got to vote before black people. And it's like this funny parallel that like white women get attention before black people. So, you know, and yeah. it's not to, and it's not to hate on like white women, but it's more of like, when even when you pit my when you pit minorities against each other like minority groups against each other in this case women um, versus like mm-hmm. black, let me tell you which one comes yeah. on top. So
0: there's still a yeah. still a pecking order. There's right?
1: still a pecking yeah. order, right? And so I think when you're talking about um, a game and like what you can do, it it everybody's role is different depending on where you are, like how much platform the, the platform you have, the business you have, um, what you're doing. Sometimes it can be as much as just evaluating like your friend circle, like who do you know and like who you kind of like been not really paying attention to for, um, I suggested in the article to, um, websites who like sponsor, like who have writers. I don't where you need to hire, you know, black players. You need to give, us the representation. Cause we know there are good players out there. Noah Walker, um, just wrote, um, a legacy, uh, deck guide for CFB pro and I liked it and I really enjoyed mm. it. And I want to see more stuff like that. Like yeah. the whole community deserves to benefit from, you know, that knowledge. And it's just, you know, it, you, there's every, any, there's every, sorry, at all levels, we can do something. Um, You know, we can find the voices that aren't really being listened to and like lift them up, like give them an opportunity to speak. Um, We can stop being afraid of what's going to happen to my brand if I say Mm -hmm. something, because while I think that is a good guideline to live by most of the time, when you have something going on like this, it's just some things you 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 need to you need to talk about and this is unfortunately one of those things that just haven't been talked about till like very recently like really recently um and another thing that people need to do is not shun you know the ones who do talk who do choose to talk about it um you know because i think you get reputations like i have i have a reputation for being like opinionated as if that's a bad thing <laughs> like, like I'm sorry I didn't know that the only thing I or
0: had. our uh, our mutual friend Lawrence Harmon yeah. Lawrence and I know each other very well I, yeah he I mean he I think he uh he really leans into that so.
1: he does actually and it's actually quite funny but like um you know he gets into like kerfuffles on Twitter because like you know he'll just he'll just go in and it's yeah. it's it's you know it's a a type of communication that i'm quite familiar with um so i understand what is being done but then you have people who like have never been exposed to this before or something because they've insulated themselves which is something that people need to recognize you think that this form of communication is strange and weird and wrong but that's only because you've insulated yourself from the people who do it and it's and, and you know you did this
0: maybe, maybe there's some self examination
1: that you need to do and like i think yeah on a player's level that's what we kind of just as individual community members we need to self examine um, but yeah he gets real opinionated and they're not you mean know, he doesn't care and they're not always nice and i do a lot of like i try and find a balance where i can kind of explain things you know concepts to to people um you know so they'll like they'll come to something i think there's a time and place
0: for for everything because uh if you think of this thing as a spectrum i think the world you can probably tell i've thought way too much about this as well like there's a world where everything is extremely nuanced and extremely reasonable like you know every sentence starts with in my opinion Mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. right but there's also a world where people don't read people don't understand. Nuance. People don't spend more than ten seconds on a tweet yeah. or s- scrolling through their timeline. So it's like sometimes you do have. There's, I think, there's a time and place to use, almost like shock somebody into yeah. thinking about themselves in a way. Right. Like, because I think there's a time and place for like, let's have a a civil a, discourse. A, a yeah, discourse. There's also a time and place for like, you know, let's crank this thing up to eleven right. out of ten so that we can just get to the heart of what. Yeah. What it is, you know. Yeah,
1: I think a lot Lawrence is pretty. Uh, Lawrence is pretty good at that. Uh, <laughs> going to eleven <laughs> real quick. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think sometimes like that's the, that's just like what it takes. Um, is just getting really mad. Like I remember before leading up to the uh, the big championship oh god um you
0: must have got quite the uh, community responses like good and bad
1: and ugly right? yeah i mean i think the ugly mostly stayed on reddit but i'm like a zoomer so i don't use reddit i don't really know how it works <laughs> i don't use reddit <laughs> i'm not really a zoomer i'm a millennial but close enough
0: no you're highly evolved your <laughs> twitter is even harder in my experience
1: though, though. there we go but like you know i don't i think a lot of the bad stuff was like mentioned on uh i think there was bad stuff mentioned on reddit which i mean i can't I just can't make myself care about that. Sometimes I got, I have like things curated, so I don't always see everything that people respond to cause I don't care. So I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't want to. So, uh, you know, there was more good than there was bad, but you know, some, some things were like, you know, kind of got to me. I, I wasn't really sure, sure why I got invited and stuff like that. Um, know, and I didn't feel comfortable, but leading up to it, something, I can't remember what was the impetus for what was going on. I don't know if it was like another, um, like sexual assault conversation or something was going on on Twitter. Um, and I just remember seeing, I think it was Reed Duke saying this tweet about, uh, he said this tweet about like, you know, as what being a positive community member means. And, like, I read it, and it just kind of, like, irked me. And then another person also said, like, you know, be positive, don't feed trolls, you know, like, would say these things. And I was just like, oh, man, there's just, like, such a lack of understanding sometimes. And I was just like, I don't know if y'all know this, but, like, being, like, what Black and Indigenous people have been told our whole lives our ma, our parents' lives, grandparents, great forever. Okay, for like four hundred freaking years. Is that if we're nice and we're patient, good things will happen. We get to be human.
0: Like, don't don't rock, right, the, don't boat, rock sort of the boat. Don't rock the
1: boat fine. Yeah. But you know, people like to talk about MLK, but they shot him. They killed him. Yeah. He was he was the, you know they made him into this like you know like nice you know, this nice Negro. And I'm like, no, they killed him though. They'll kill me. Yeah. I can't not talk about the things that bother me. I can't not talk about the things, you know, I can't be nice and happy all the time. Cause that's not my life. And so like you trying to silence me with like positivity, like you just have a fundamental lack of understanding of, of what has gone on and what's been going on you don't understand what happened to indigenous people here, what's happening to indigenous people here, you don't understand what's happening to black people, so the last thing you're gonna do is step to me and talk to me about being nice, like I'm just not about it." Um, mm-hmm. And I just said that, and it wasn't just like, and it was really directed at those two, it was really just directed at the whole idea. Just a general feeling. The general feeling, feeling yeah. of like, I feel forced to be nice and never rock the boat. And I'm just like, fuck all that. Um, and then I remember sitting down and I was at MC seven and, uh, Reed actually approached me and he said like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, you know, that tweet that you wrote really got me thinking and like really made me, um, you know, evaluate some things, like some perspectives that I really didn't consider. And honestly, that's like the best that you can really hope for, right? As a person who's speaking from, you know, a sense of frustration, you're just trying to hope that people really understand or at least try to at least recognize that they need to self-examine themselves. And sometimes that takes being, um, that just takes being fucking mean about it. (laughs) Like you just got to be mean sometimes. You just got to be like not... Nice. There's this, I've been reading a lot of Angela Davis uh, recently, which is, uh, I feel like should be required reading, but um, is not in American schools because she's a communist and a black woman. So, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I've been reading a lot of her stuff and she says this thing about how like um, conservatives really like to sort of worship, adore law and order. So anything that falls outside of it, you know, they, they it, but law and order to them is obedience. right? But then liberals are really dangerous because liberals tell you, like, you know, to be nice and to explain things and and, you know, to to act only within within the law, act within the system to change it. And some systems. The reality is, is that. These systems just need to be like burned to the ground. You just have to, uh, and I mean that sometimes literally, and sometimes just—I <laughs> yeah. mean that literally sometimes. But in magic's case, I think it really does the the system, the the culture that we have to try to approach each other, understand each other, recognize each other. We have to fundamentally change how we interact with that, and that will involve really uncomfortable. Um, like situations and moments where, like you know, I imagine because Lawrence is always at eleven, like most of them will <laughs> happen with him. But like, like I'll be, you know, like I, you know, like I'll ride, like I'll, you know, try and like ex explain it to people, you know, the best I can, like play my part. But yeah, I think this whole community kind of needs to like reckon with itself and just even like small things matter just educating yourself matters like talking and like lifting up Mm -hmm. you know the you know black people indigenous people people of color and being more inclusive of their perspectives where they're just coming from Mm -hmm. and i don't mean like you know i said this on twitter i don't mean everybody should just slam the follow button on every black person okay that's not what i'm saying Um, because like not ever, just like any other person in any other race, not everybody's going to be for you, you know, don't treat them like tokens because you're going to get hit with the reality of they're real people real quick. So I think we definitely kind of have to avoid doing that. I think people kind of do it anyway, but (laughs) they need to. Okay. Now,
0: now I've got to ask this. you 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 set it up. I set it up. L8. Now I've got to ask because you you recently tweeted that uh, you don't think MTG Twitter is ready for like True. Black Twitter no, exactly. or something to that effect. No, exactly. So so is that is that like an eleven out of ten or is, that, is there a nuance to that or is like explain can you explain <laughs> that a little bit? If, yeah. I feel like. I've sort of got a sense from the past like hour of conversation, but I, yeah. I want you to like maybe just unpack that a little. bit. Right. Yeah.
1: So what I mean to say, what I what I mean is like, um, magic Twitter has its own sort of um, its own kind of like it's it's it has what it's used to, right? Like the the faces, the rules, mm-hmm. like what they talk about, how they talk about things. This is right. very different than how like black Twitter talks about things. If you look at black Twitter um, in general, and I'm talking about like, I'm pretty heavy into like anime Twitter, which happens to be like profusely, like black anime Twitter is like kind of like what I call it. But like it's, there's this term, I don't know if you know, but it's out of pocket. It just means like
0: I, I don't. Can you explain that? Like,
1: out of pocket, it's like all right. You're you're being like real. It's like a real extra. It's it's real like oh sh- you you're going too far. But it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's actually like
0: like out of line.
1: Yeah, of like thing? out of line, kind of. It's and and like okay. it's it's a place that's it's the communication is really like quick and hyperbolic and and to often like can be like really daggering and like kind of like out of line. And like you, you have this whole, it's like, it's, Oh, it has its own, like it's, it's own, like it's like learning another language. It's its own thing. And there's a lot of things that are said, you know, like there's a lot of things that are said in that sphere that just wouldn't really. And the the way they're said, isn't going to fly in Magic Twitter, like a really good example of what right. happened is um, Lawrence retweeting somebody who's saying some sort of thing, and Lawrence says suicide is free. And people jumped. NTV Just Twitter, flipped out, like, trigger alert. Out about this. Yeah. But yeah. they don't, but you have to understand.
0: There's a different context. It's almost like you need a, a like a meme dictionary or like yeah. a terms dictionary it's like, or shit. I- ideological dictionary. Right.
1: You kind of need that. It's like, man, I, okay. Like to, and people were thinking like suicide is, is a serious thing. Like this, this isn't funny. Lawrence wasn't joking. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just be clear. Like to explain this, he's not joking. He's not making a joke. He's literally saying, suicide is free, go do that. And like, Mm -hmm. that's out of pocket. Like that's out of line, right? To say to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but that's how like communication happens. It's super direct. It's super, to, to other people, it will be like very aggressive, but like there's a different way that that community deals with concepts like death, like trauma you know, serious issues. There's a totally different way of coping and talking about those things. And, you know, Lawrence even, you know, kind of eventually tweets when people are like coming at him and they're coming at him from the idea of like, you know, mental health and like suicide is, you know, something that people struggle with and it is, it's very serious, you know, and they're like, you know, you're this, you are one making a joke, and you're being like toxic like they're kind of attacking him. Well that. There,
0: there's that but there's also maybe this is just me also being a friend of his. I feel like there's also people that are just like waiting for him to nice uh, to have a misstep. Yeah. Like yeah. they're just like let's get him yeah. because I mean, oh you know you know he made me uncomfortable so right. let, let let's get him. And it's
1: like I understand what you're saying. so like I understand from the from the outside perspective when you see that kind of communication you're just like oh my god that's an awful thing to say like this is, but there's cultural context there context there that mm-hmm. one nobody on black twitter feels like explaining to you boo like nobody feels like explaining to you what 400 years of this kind of shit does to you does to you does to how you deal with certain top ta- nobody feels like dealing with that like what 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 right. black twitter is just going to do is tell you to go like fuck yourself like they don't give it they're actually, they're not even going to do that they're going to troll you harder because you decided right. that you had the right to tell them how to talk about it's them. like
0: that's like lo- the level one and it's like the the mtg twitter reaction is like level one and and black twitter is already at level yeah
1: no nah, they're,
2: they're,
1: right? they're already out it's, it's already up there yeah so like and this isn't to say that um there aren't problematic things in Mm. black Twitter, in that culture. That's not to say that there are, they just have a different Mm. way of dealing with these things, but it's just the way that they communicate. And also the way that, you know, they've had to, to be clear, they had to carve this space for themselves because they weren't welcome in non black spaces because the code of, you had to find
0: They they develop their own. Develop voice your own
1: voice because everybody. you have to be essentially whitewashed to fit into other ones. Like you can't just say right. the n word whenever you want, even though that's how you would normally talk. Because some fucking like white chick with a college degree is gonna be like, "Do you know that that's an offensive word? Like, bitch, I'm brown. Like, what do you think? <laughs> what do you mean? Do you, you don't think I know what that yeah. word means? Are you explain? Is this a joke?" Yeah. Like you have that right. kind of stuff where you have like this high-handed. If you don't follow, it, it our sounds rules, like
0: the only way to resolve this, just in the same way that someone in Black Twitter would look at MG Twitter and be like, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. Why are they doing these <laughs> like, things?" Right. Um, I think the best thing to do is just everyone just take a take yeah. a step back and just don't assume something right. if it's not from your echo chamber mm-hmm. and just just. Try to understand before you freak out. say that you're offended or outraged. Yeah. And
1: like it's and I don't want to make people I don't want to I don't want to tell people who like saw that tweet and like were upset because like suicide, something that they had to, you know, go through, deal with. I'm not trying to. Sure. They have
0: their own valid feelings, journey.
1: But you yeah. as a person need to also recognize that the other person that you were speaking to has trauma. Yeah. has has their own stuff right like has their own has their own feelings about stuff and like right to just like to have the knee-jerk you, if, if we're gonna blend these two because they're very different types of communication um and styles if we're gonna blend these two like really make black people feel welcome like black kind of mend make black mtg twitter feel Mm. welcome is we have to resist the automatic urge to tone police them Mm. that's not to say call them out for bad behavior like as in like you know maybe they did something actually wrong like cheated or whatever like sexually harass somebody obviously they're like normal human standards but to actually like, I mean, and it's something that I had to deal with a lot. I've had to deal with a lot on Twitter. um, Is just people, when I'm expressing myself, people telling me that I should be saying it differently. Literally, they would come in and they would tell me that. And then I would have to have, like there was one conversation where this guy was just like, basically telling me to like, be nice about something that like was really bothering me and pressuring me. And Emma Handy had to come in explain to him my position as if I didn't have it in English above, um, explain to him my position and why I would react negatively to his statements, and he apologized to her.
2: Hmm. To
1: her. Not to me, okay. to her. And so like MTG Twitter has to resist that urge to go in and yep. think that one, they know better than the people of color who were participating and communicating between themselves or whatever and and just wait a minute just wait a second also there's this fantastic option that you have called the scroll you can just scroll by you can just scroll by mm-hmm. and just leave it and like whatever yeah. because what's going to happen is like maybe on regular MTG Twitter you can have like a little spat and like there's some clout gained and clout lost but when you come to somebody of like, when you come at a black person or like a, a person of color, I like to separate the two because um, like they get grouped together when they shouldn't sometimes. When you come at us in a certain way, like we're not going to be nice to you. We're just going to. I mean, we're just going to trash you. We're just going to drag you. <laughs> we're just going to drag you like we're not going to be nice to you.
0: This is like the equivalent of like the fan running into like the stand, like the fan from the stands running into the baseball field. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Like, what right? do you think, no, fam, like we're, gonna, like, we're not going to put up with this. Um, yeah. you know, and this doesn't, obviously this isn't just about like, cons- I
0: don't know. I... No, no, it's not, it's, it's not... not gatekeeping. It's yeah, not, it's, it's, not it's, it's just like, try to understand, try to understand first a little bit. Yeah. And also the fact that like, you know, this person, you're tweeting your thing. I'm tweeting my thing. We have our own right to our point of view. Mm -hmm. So you can say what you want, but you don't need to like come into my tweet and, Mm -hmm. and tell me what I should do. Right.
1: It's like, and yeah, it's, it's, and it's super odd that it even happens in the first place, but it's just like, yeah, we, we think that we should do it. And obviously like, you know, there's a conversation, language is complex and culture is complex. And so like, there are conversations that are like, there are basically social norms that we have not resolved yet on how to like work together. What's problematic. What's not, um, you know, this, this is going to be like an awkward time, but like the, the best way to do it. If the, if the goal is actually integrating for lack of a better term and being more inclusive, if the goal is to do that, Well, then the, the actions that need to be taken need to be one that are totally different than what's been done, which is reactionary knee jerk, going in tone policing, that kind of stuff we have to stop. Um, it's just not going to be conducive to the, if that's what the goal is now, if your goal is to just have yourself, you know, your own personal magical Negro, um, Nobody wants that. No brown, no black or brown person wants to do that role for you. So you need to go find somebody else. Like uh that's just not like not a thing that we we you know we're human beings, like we're people. That means we make mistakes, we say things, you know, maybe that we shouldn't, um, you know, we care about things, we we are get sad by things. We're just human beings, okay? So to treat us I don't know, like to treat us like like that as if we're something that needs to be, to fit into a structure um, in order for you to be okay with us is a problem. Like some person like retweeted like something that, like something that Lauren said and there said something like, well, I'm glad I found other black voices because I wouldn't follow this one. Like, ew. That's gross. (laughs) This
0: is like the this is like the person who says I'm gonna unfollow you now.
1: Yeah, it's like you're unfollowing this person, but it's like, like okay, great, you still meet your quota. What the?
0: Thanks for broadcasting.
1: Uh, Ew, that's gross and 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 offensive. Like, you know what? What would be really helpful is if people just chilled for a minute, like take a chill pill. And like before you slam a follow button on somebody because they're black or big, because you know, they're whatever, why don't you take 30 seconds, scroll through their feed and just see what they're about? Because what's going to yeah. end up happening is if you don't, you're just going to unfollow them as soon as they disappoint you anyway. And cause you're, and you're yeah. internally looking for that anyway, you're just going to follow them because yeah. you weren't interested in them in the first place. Like, I think it's weird. When like pro players follow me, I have no idea what they're doing. I don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I barely talk about magic mm-hmm. ever. I barely talk about magic. Like, what kind of information are you to <laughs> <for> me? I, <laughs> I don't even. Talk.
0: Maybe they're following you and meeting you. I just, mean, like, just I
1: mean, some now the ones that I've met or whatever, like that's fine, or like I've interacted yeah. with, you know, that's different. But like, you know, it's weird when I see like notable names follow me, yeah. and then it's like because I know give it a couple days, they're just going to unfollow me because I don't fit whatever kind of expectation they were looking for, which if they had spent 30 seconds to treat me like a real human and look at my feed, they would have known that in the first place. Mm. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little rant. Here we go.
0: No, no, this is great. Like there's this is the, like Twitter is honestly the thing that I've been the most fascinated with personally for the past I want to say two years. Like, I've had so many discussions with people, not on Twitter, mind you, just just about about (laughs) how to use it. And it's, it's like, it's this, it's this thing that I can't live without, but I also can't live with. It's really, it's really bad. Yeah.
1: But, uh. I mean, some people really do, um, you know, some people have been able to get away with not saying anything, you know, like never really delving into that, keeping their... Twitter or their social media impersonal like Rachel Agnes is a really good example of this up until very recently her Twitter has been actually I, I would imagine like quite impersonal because it's mostly just memes magic related yeah. memes and she posts but it's very rarely about like things happening in her life things that she's feeling like not about her the person and you know, and in a way, I, 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 don't, I can't speak for her, so I don't know exactly all of her motivations. I imagine it's a buffer and it avoids awkward, awful people. I mean, she already gets an unbelievable amount of gross activity, like, t- sent her way. But, like, still, like, she, she's and she's kind of, like, built up this sort of social media presence. And it's based on just, like, magic memes. And, like, that's what that's her thing. And it isn't until very recently did she start using her platform to like talk about um, like black lives matters and like what's going on and like police brutality and stuff like that. Um, You know, and I respect her for taking that and I respect anybody who had been using their platform for something totally different. And then we're just like, nah, this is too much. We got to say something. Um, I think that takes, you know, there's a lot of, fear and turmoil and stress that comes with social media regardless. and the more, but the more people that you have following you, the more stressful it is, the more you have to lose, so to speak. Um, especially if you're like, you know, employed all that sort of stuff, but you know, where was I going with this? Um, yes. Right. So people that, you know, use that like magic players who just, they just talk about magic. They, they stick themselves into a lane at the end of the day. I can't really be angry with that. And I'm really not, Um, I understand why people do that. It is this, it is, it is to be factual. It is the safest route to take to just focus on the game or, you know, maybe you're like, um, and you have a magic Twitter or you have, and then you have your like personal Twitter that's still public, but you know, you're not really talking about magic. Maybe you're talking about whatever that way. If people are interested in that aspect of you, you know, they can follow you there. I mean, I'm, I'm real small, so I don't really care. I don't think I would care anyways. It's too late. It's too late. I'm down. I'm in the train. Yeah. It's, it's a little station. I, I'm a I'm a small fry yeah. too, but
0: I I I do think that the challenging thing is that first of all, I'll just say that I think life is a game. So mm-hmm. it's like there is like in in different ways how you define it. There is winning and losing, mm-hmm. and Twitter is like a microcosm of that. The challenge with Twitter is that there's different games and incentives for different people because there are people that want to be more genuine and I think you're you're one of those people mm-hmm. there are people that are just like how much clout can I farm and you know I'm I, by the way there's no judgment yeah. here I'm just saying that this is a thing where people have different objectives right. so uh you know I think Rachel's a great example I think she's like a master at social media and I I, I like she does it super well mm-hmm. and and so um what I'm trying to say is that it's hard because everyone has different objectives and so where where clashes happen is when your objective is not the same as someone else's objective and then that becomes problematic in the sense that uh you, you know what i mean yeah, right yeah i know, I know what you
1: what mean. I mean like when right especially with something like this where you take silence as you don't care i think actually in general i think that's kind of the idea right with a lot of different a lot of social issues like human rights issues things like that with even in terms of trans, um, like the trans community, like women, like sexual assault, if you're not talking about that thing, if those things, there's like this idea that you don't care about them. Like those issues are not important to you. And this is really hard for me because I have kind of internalized this idea. It's almost like, you're not saying anything at all. Oh, mm. like, oh, what kind mm. of person are you? It's, but you know, at the same time, I think it's important that you know, I've kind of had to wrap my head around it. Yeah. People can still be taking action in their own community without talking about it mm. that I don't know, that I don't see. And I kind of have to give people the benefit of the doubt, and we should give yeah. people the, ben- the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, there are times cause yeah, it's like you're saying there are different objectives here with how we're using it and what we want out of it. And they're going to not be the same, but, um, I feel like the best, just the best we can do is just try and consider the other person, which it's like hard, but it's like, try to consider where the other person is coming from. And, you know, can we respect it or not? Like me, I have a hard time respecting like total silence. I don't expect people to say about you know every issue, but it's like, there's really no issue that you care about like at all. Like you just don't care. Like how privileged are you? Or like what's going on here? What land did you live in? Cause I would like to live there too. Um, but, but at the same time, like I, you just can't always hold people to like your, you just can't hold people to your standards. It doesn't really work very yeah. well, so you know maybe there's there's also other things to take into account. Like maybe somebody's not talking about something because it is very triggering for them, or it is really emotionally difficult for mm-hmm. them to participate in that because it brings up their own um, personal issues. And so mm-hmm. while I have a hard time respecting silence my instinct is just my natural reaction is to not respect it I also am not going to you know if I if I do advocate for people to talk I'm going to try and be as constructive as possible um you know encourage people just in general to be constructive as possible um because you know I don't really know what another person is going through I don't know what their story is
2: you know there could be a better
1: reason than you know it's about money now. Granted, if it is a if it's a monetary thing, like oh, this is about your pockets. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna judge <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Like I'm a bit judgmental. Like I will judge. Well,
0: for pocket. me, for me, I mean, I, I just don't want to get canceled. Right. right. It's just like you know, this is why I love doing this podcast right. with you because like I can spend two hours with you and actually talk through it. Yeah. And I've actually had one-on-one uh, DMs with Lawrence mm-hmm. about stuff just because I feel like. If I have to, I could I could try to do what I just am doing now with you on Twitter. Like I could I could tweet at Ellie of the Veil and be like, hey, let's talk about this. Right. And then, but then I feel like I'm sort of walking on eggshells because someone else is gonna see my tweet and be like, oh, this Asian dude is just like not getting it. Yeah. And I'm gonna retweet him and like, you know. So it's like I would much rather do this. And this is also a way that I could, you know, we're talking. I'm I'm learning mm-hmm. honestly, which is great. I love it. And then I can hopefully release it to somebody that you know, rather than me trying to put out some statement about this is how I feel about everything. Let's just do an episode with Ellie and see what she has to say. And that's, that's more, to me, that's more like productive and it honestly
1: scales better.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think, no, I think
1: think that's the case. Um, You know, when I say, you know, be constructive, like, I don't really mean like, Oh,
0: I don't, I don't think you're directing it at me oh, personally. Oh, no, yeah, I'm just being yeah, in
1: general. Yeah. So like when, it, it took me a while because I used to take basically like silence as complicity, which is the phrase. But, you know, silence is a little bit more complex than that when you're talking about like social media um, and like how we use things. There's stuff that we don't see. We don't see somebody's backstory. We don't see, you know, if this is something that, you know, really is upsetting to them. We don't see if they're participating in some other way to help we don't really see that um we only get this small tiny slice so you know I tr- i've i been trying to like work myself out of like automatically like judging people and then it just like re- me writing that article also like forced me to not just rant but like really think okay what are ways besides tweeting that people can help like that people can be productive and i don't mean that that article to just apply to like black lives matter related things i just mean in general when there's something going on when we feel like there are marginalized people like when something like that's happening what are the steps just like within as individuals as people with platforms like what can we do besides just you know tweeting about it and like this is one of those things like you just use your platform ls lsv and gabby like they were one of the first um magic streams I saw say, Hey, no, we're doing like a, you know, charity stream or whatever. We're raising money for this. And this was before my article came out. I was already writing it, but then I saw this and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to see. Like, yeah. why have I seen this before? It doesn't, but that at the end of the day, that question doesn't really, it's a moot question. It's a moot point. Right. It doesn't matter. That's just matters that, you know, it's happening. And I think if we, as people with platforms can kind of mentally free ourselves a little bit, from what we think mm-hmm. is productive and what's not, from what we think is actually damaging and isn't, and we kind of like open our, you know, heads a little bit and not be, you know, jam ourselves into this is my role as a magic creator. I only talk about magic. If we can like free that up and like let ourselves be a little bit more human, you know, like I think the community in general like would benefit, in the, you know, in the long run. And I don't no. actually think canceling is real but <laughs> I think like Yeah, the, I you guess you get into Twitter canceling isn't real Twitter isn't Twitter real isn't, Yeah, just, exactly. It's,
0: it's not it doesn't yeah. really matter. It's you be
1: fine. It's, yeah.
0: it's fine. Yeah, you know, if I I can't eat my cake and have it too. So it's like, yeah, I have to I have to learn to to yeah, definitely a lot of things to uh, to think about. I think this is a great way actually to to bookend it. Yeah. So Ellie, I want to thank you so much for uh taking the time. Yep. I know it's like way past the reasonable hour <laughs> for you. So I super appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know any, any last, anything else you want to, you want to say? Or... No, I mean, uh,
1: thank you for having me. I, uh, you know, it's been fun. It's been a, like a cool conversation. It hasn't felt like, you know, awkward at all. I will say, I'm really sad we in this two hours and close to we're getting close to three hours now. Uh, I'm sad that we weren't able to fit in some Star Trek conversation, but that's fine. I'm glad we got it beforehand, you know, before recording. So I'll make do with that. Maybe one. All good, yeah.
0: That'll be that'll be one of the uh, the lost episodes. (laughs) The uh, the talking about. Deep Space Nine yeah. and Next Generation and all the.
1: Yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll have to be it. But yeah, that's it for me. Thank you a lot for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans and Magic. To get more information about the show and to join the mailing list, please visit humansandmagic.com. And don't forget, the Humans and Magic book is now available on Amazon for both paperback and Kindle. We'll see you next time.